guys, we're back. It's episode two of season four of the New Blood Rising podcast as we take a look at Mark Calloway's journey through WrestleManias, aka The Undertaker, in case nobody knew that. I'm William Rankin, joined of course by Jason Keesler. How's it going? I didn't know that. No, I'm just kidding. Charlie Stabile? I did know that. Oh, you did? I did. And Martin Dixon, unfortunately, cannot be with us. He put it out on Twitter just before we recorded that he is ill, so we hope he gets better. We will do our best to get through WrestleMania 12 without him, even though I know that's one he would have great copious notes to talk about because that is a part of um, his column, Wrestling in the Clinton Years. He did a ton of coverage on this. So uh, we miss him. We hope he's doing better. We hope he enjoys this show today. We'll be looking forward to Episode 3 when we cover that next batch of Manias to have him back on. So... Dive right into it before we, or I guess I should say before we get into it, like a couple fun, th- we talk about the current product sometimes, there are a couple cool things, I told you about it off air, the rumor is AJ's going to, they're going to flip the belt to AJ and have him wrestle Brock at Survivor Series, how about it? Well, if they want their numbers up, that's probably what's in their best interest, that's a hell of a lot more interesting than Brock and Jinder. Jason, do you think that's cool? What do you think? Oh no, I was looking forward to Brock and Jinder because I wanted to see Brock throw those Sling Brothers out the fucking building. Maybe they'll still come down, I don't know. Maybe they'll turn it into a triple threat. Maybe they will. Or a quadruple four-way thing against you against the Singh brothers and AJ. One Singh brother is a special guest timekeeper. And a Kodiak bear brought in from Alaska. <laughs> wow. Now, I mean, this this whole thing's been cool. I, like, I still wish they would say that there's stakes behind this big matchup, especially with the whole under siege Steven Seagal vibe going on. Hey, heard he tried to pull Juliana Margulies into a uh, hotel. Who wouldn't? Nope. <laughs> he's just such a. He's just, oh, he, he sucks. Man. Yeah. I, uh, did, did Netflix fire him from House of Cards too? <laughs> Steven Seagal in House of Cards. Yeah, that would be awesome. Him is Frank so Underwood. <laughs> <laughs> the hell's Jim Belushi doing? <laughs> What's? <laughs> Hey, isn't that guy a Texas Ranger? <laughs> Where's the dog? Awesome. <laughs> Steven Seagal trying to say, when I was from South Carolina. <laughs> well, even the story of, uh, before all this stuff broke out in Hollywood, even the story about him me- uh, meeting Kelly LeBrock is weird. Yeah. It's, That's even that. a weird story. Yeah, so I, I'm not surprised. I think yeah, everyone's a rapist, it sounds like. I see a picture of a celebrity on Facebook. Before I even read the article, I instantly go, oh, God, what'd they do? Oh, Jesus. But I like that everything's gotten so bad. Everything has gotten so bad out there that they look, they're looking at Mel Gibson going, you know, I, I, I think you're all right. Let's do Lethal Weapon. <laughs> sounds good. Alec Baldwin's the best. He's like, you know what? Dude, I, I, Baldwin I, is the best. He's going. I wasn't very nice. Okay, I'm not, I'm not a nice guy. I'm not the, he is beating everything to the punch. He's, he, he knows. He did the coming. eight mile. He did. <laughs> he pulled the eight mile. Where he's like, you know what? I know everything you're going to say about me. I'm just going to say it now, and then they're going to love me, and they're going to hate you, Papa Doc. Even Dustin Hoffman's getting accusations thrown at him. Tootsie himself. Nobody's immune. Um... But yeah, it's pretty neat to uh, that they're they're gonna try this. I will give them credit, like between the Shield thing, the Kurt Angle thing, like they're trying things. Triple H being in the Shield was bizarre looking, but granted, that, that's a house show. Yeah, which I can so I can you know that outside of continu- it's not real continuity anyway, I guess. But 
But it's weird. Also, it? It, it, it reeks kind of of what CM Punk used to say. Like, yeah. That was what I first saw. I was like, why do you need to be a part of this? Right. You know? Oh, that's what that's what was cool about well, another cool thing with the Jericho challenging Omega is he called out CM Punk by name in that video promo. He's like he pops up on the screen in that Japan event. And he's like, There's all he's like, there's a lot that's claimed to be the best in the world. Shawn Michaels, Edge, CM Punk, and they're all gone. And I'm like, Oh shit, that's really good. He goes, I'm still here. And I am the best in the world. I was like, that's really fucking good. That's Jericho. That's, that's solid. Yeah. It's okay. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, Michael Jordan's the best basketball. But he's saying he's the last one standing. Like, like he has the, the, the claim to that title. Sure. I, sure. Do, I do like that. It's, it's, it's fine. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I'll be excited. It's not going to be... Like, I have a feeling it's not going to be as good a match as in our minds. No. It... it it's it current, feels it's like it's current Jericho exactly and yeah. it's no slight to him but it's like he's he even admits he can't do right. a lot of it I mean look at the AJ match man they were trying they were trying hard yeah. but it just didn't you remember that Mania match Yo, it's oh like, yeah uh, is that the one where Jericho won that one right yeah, yeah. that's the one time where he won and I see that's the other thing too when he's, with him fighting Kenny Omega it makes me think he's going to lose every time I see Jericho in one of these types of matches I go oh he's just going to lose like Fandango one of the biggest wastes. Why do you call it that? Like, well, he's you, not Fandango. You know, that's he's not a movie ticket. He's not a movie I ticket. I had a goddamn movie ticket. <laughs> you got to differentiate. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's. I'm interested to see if they're tied in with WWE. I'm interested to see if New Japan and WWE are working a deal where they're going to do something in Mania, which would be really neat to see Kenny Omega on a Wrestle. Mm-hmm. I'm more. I'm more interested to see Omega on a WrestleMania stage and Jericho on a Wrestle Kingdom, just because. I enjoyed Wrestle Kingdom. I watched one a few years ago. It's pretty cool. I'm not gonna lie. Like I'm not like I'm not jacked to go out and just watch Wrestle Kingdom. I'm not to that point where I'm all in on New Japan stuff. I think it's cool, but I'm just you know. Well, don't you think you'd be a little concerned that they WWE would make Omega wrestle the WWE style, which that from what I've seen does just does not seem to be him. No, but I think, but. Um, if it's a deal, if it's one of these weird kind of, we'll scratch your back, you scratch ours, New Japan to WWE and back, I wonder how many, like, I wonder if this is one of those that kind of exists outside the atmosphere of mm-hmm. WWE stuff to where it's like, we just kind of let them go, do their thing. I don't know. Because it seems like they're getting more and more open to doing things. If they're throwing Starcade, they're doing Starcade, and yeah. they're doing War Games, and they're doing all this stuff, like, and they're getting Tony Schiavone out of mothballs to do stuff. Aren't they doing Starcade at uh, Greensboro Coliseum? Yes. That's amazing. That's really, That's really cool. cool. All right, so. Still, it still sucks that it's still only a house show. They've got to turn, I mean, like, it, it would make no sense to not turn that into a network special. They they're probably they may be slow playing it because they're I think I think on and it's it's correct to be cautious because it's like do current WWE fans like care about Starcade? No, it's only older fans like us or people that do podcasts like us that are like talk about the old days and stuff like that. Those are the people that would be clamoring for Starcade. I think they're just slow playing it. Even if they don't do it this year, well, based on the the reaction that it gets, they may bump it up for next year. I or think something. it should absolutely be a network special because it's not like an eight year old is subscribing to the WWE network, right? But you know, but yeah. they have this weird oh, mindset about things that just we, we talked about the thirty crazy. for thirty thing. Why yeah. haven't they promoted that? Like they barely promoted that thing, if at all. They really, on ESPN all the time. They send the Miz out there who stayed in kayfabe and caused a oh, shitstorm, yeah. which was amazing. Was awesome. <laughs> I saw. I watched that. What, so, I, what did he do? I didn't see that. He well, he didn't really do much, but he be, he stayed in character. Yeah, that's, and the women on the show were not having it. 
Yeah. Well, the one, uh, Michelle Beadle knows that because she loves wrestling, she understands what he's doing. The other lady, I don't think did. Right. I don't think she really got it. And so, like, she just, like, thought he was just an asshole. Which his character is. And th- but see, then the thing that got kind of weird was that she was only going to be on that show for three segments. So then when she disappears to a viewer after that weird Miz segment, they're like, oh, God, she got pissed and walked off. No, she had to go do another show. Right. So it kind of got spun in this weird direction. So, eh. Cool. I hope they I hope they don't take the belt off Corbin or the Miz because after the promo that Miz cut on Corbin on Instagram or whatever that was, I want to see it. Because it was like, you know, asshole Miz kind of went face because Baron Corbin mentioned Maurice and his little shitty promo. And Miz goes, you know, when you're in front of a bunch of people, you can't talk. But when it's just you, you're really good at talking. But don't you ever say my fucking wife's name again. I was like, holy shit. Yeah, you know, I, I, I have very little interest in anything Baron Corbin has to do. <laughs> Except giving a fan a hug or whatever. He did that one at a house show. That was nice. But mm-hmm. otherwise on TV, he can wrestle Cena in five-minute matches. and You know, it is what it is. You know, Didn't Cena bury him? Yeah, he kind of buried him, you know. He was oh. First match of the night, SummerSlam, you know. I don't know. Oh, John had to get out to the West Coast or something. Does it today show? I do I do the right now show. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. He's more current. <laughs> Brett is 100%. At this very second show. <laughs> He's literally just reading tweets. <laughs> when I saw this list, there was talking about like wrestlers are not fun to meet in person. Somebody had a bad story about Brett like during a, a, Tell me. a book. Tell me. It was like Give during me. a book signing. And this is back when the book came out. So like this is like... 2005? Yeah. So it's like in that area where Brett was like really bitter because he hadn't really He wasn't in the Hall of Fame yet. He hadn't really reconciled with WWE. Mm-hmm. It was just weird. And they were just saying like how disinterested he looked like, and I was like, "That's Brett." That's Brett. <laughs> like, so it was just kind of like, eh. It's kind of like Harrison Ford. It is exactly. He's kind of like Harrison Ford. Where he's got this kind of like social mm-hmm. anxiety, <laughs> and he's just like, well, "I'm not comfortable." I just want to put myself in the sharpshooter. <laughs> no, I didn't kill my wife. Brought to you by Jimmy's Seafood. <laughs> The whole time Brett's trying to clear his name and it ends up being Superfly Jimmy Snuka that did it. <laughs> oh! <laughs> was it me? It was the, Zach the Undertaker was clearly man. Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> Who's I Tommy Lee Jones? Oh, the Undertaker. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I don't care. I don't care. Man, I don't give a rat. <laughs> man, you search every outhouse, hen house, dog house, my mother's house, <laughs> Sarah's house. <laughs> That DDP, he's a little shady. And I'm going to go to Paul Bear's house and throw a fucking couch on him. <laughs> That's good. That's a good callback. I love that. Remember bit. that? Yes. I was like, I think he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So before we dive into things, of course, New Blood Rising Podcast is a part of the Questionable Endeavor Network and 4CR Radio. So uh, 4C Radio. I always do 4CR Radio. That doesn't make any sense. It's 4C Radio. Oh, yeah. Because the R It's like an ATM machine. Yes. Yes. Exactly. You don't need it. You don't need the machine. You don't need it. All right. So, um, uh, here we are. We're at episode two. So, now, this week, we are covering... Attack of the Clones. Attack of the Clones. That's it. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> They're all Undertakers. What a masterpiece. <laughs> They're all just... Undertakers, Jango Fett. <laughs> it's just a bunch of Undertakers. No, I was going to say... The Empire good. wins. <laughs> Easily. We don't even need episode three. 
You've done it. Now they're going to that Roman Coliseum bullshit. He <laughs> <laughs> just grabs one of those CGI monsters and just yeah. rides it out. Of Last there. ride. <laughs> Gives that fucking lobster thing that they want. Yeah, what is that? <laughs> Gives it the last it's ride. It's the Hell's Gate. Like, Come here, little cunt. <laughs> he points him to Christopher Lee like he's coming for him. <laughs> ripping Natalie Portman's shirt, but god dang, man, this kind of environment, it's not a good idea to do that. You want to get yourself Harvey Weinstein? Calls him Count Shithead. <laughs> Count Dookie. Count Shithead. Get your ass over here. I just want to hear Paul Bear running, he's got handcuffs! He's got handcuffs! Can't you see that? What's wrong with you? Um, so, we've got WrestleMania 12 on deck, we've got WrestleMania 13, 14, and 15. So, it's, uh, it's this... This pack is fun because each each one of these manias, I think I can say without much probably debate amongst the three of us, each one gets better in the next and then falls off a cliff at the end. Falls. I mean, <laughs> or gets hung from a cliff. One of the <laughs> gets hung from a cliff. <laughs> well, it's WrestleMania weekend here in Philadelphia. <laughs> well, it's granddaddy of them all, folks. Her. It's only fifteen. It's the granddaddy of them all. Shit, man. Remember they were doing that? Oh, yeah. They don't say it anymore. No, because it, it sounds old. Right. Yeah. Oh, they don't even put the... They need to start putting the numbers by the WrestleManias again, because I'm starting to lose count. I, are we coming up on 34? 34. Yes. Okay. All right. Good. Yes. Good. Because, yeah, they think putting a number next to it makes it sound old. And I'm like, look at the Super the Bowl. Super, exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say. That's, that's, and Take pride in the number. Right. Starcade only had what? How many Starcades were there? I think 20? 16 or 17. Not even 20. Not even 20. <clears throat> they're in there, I know with Clash of the Champions, it had to be oh, close to 20. That, I think it's over 20. Because they had okay. one like every other month at one point. Something like that, yeah. 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 Um, All right. But uh, up, up first is going to be WrestleMania 12. Now, this is the one Martin would be doing, so we're all going to be kind of collectively chipping in here. With it, so let's talk about some background with this one. Obviously, it's the Undertaker versus Diesel that we're gonna be talking about. The uh, from uh, it was in Anaheim because that was WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Tw- yeah, so that was the night of uh, the Iron Man match. Yeah, so and this the, was uh, Roddy Piper Gold Dust right. classic. So this is pretty much the semi-main that yeah. night, I think. So the background of this: throughout most of 1995, Undertaker feuded with members of Ted DiBiase's Million Dollar Corporation at WrestleMania 11, which we covered last episode. The Undertaker faced King Kong Bundy, Comet, and that match stole the urn and antagonized him by melting it into a large gold necklace. In August, The Undertaker defeated Comet in a casket match at SummerSlam. Several weeks later, Undertaker injured his orbital bone near his eye, forcing a period of absence for surgery until his return at Survivor Series, wearing a Phantom of the Opera-like gray upper face mask. Wasn't that Mabel? I believe it was, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he wrapped... So hard at him that it shattered his face. <laughs> when I say men. <laughs> in the main event of the Royal Rumble in January 1996, The Undertaker was unmasked. Such a, I, what does he look like? In a, WWF championship <laughs> in a WWF championship match against Bret Hart. But Diesel interfered during the match, costing The Undertaker the championship. A rematch for the title on the February 5th episode of Raw saw similar interference. At that month's In Your House, Rage in the Cage... While Diesel was facing Hart in a steel cage match, The Undertaker delivered a surprise attack, emerging from a hole he had ripped through the ring canvas and dragging Diesel with him down to hell. So cool. I just added the hell part. I love that. Well, that's where they're going. (laughs) Um, 
After several more weeks of more tit-for-tat between Diesel and The Undertaker, the feud culminated in a singles match at WrestleMania 12. So that's where we're at. So that kind of tells you the year. I mean, it's again, we we knew that million-dollar feud had to kind of finally come to an end. And we remember in the apartment, I remember in the apartment when we watched that, that Brett Taker match, because they're like, dude, I did not remember it. The we Rumble? Both, yeah. Even you bringing it up now, I don't remember that. It's it's one of those matches where I remember Taker we said... Taker and Brett never had a great match. No, it's not a very good match at all. Jason, do you do you remember that one at all? That Rumble match? No. Like, <laughs> just like Charlie said, it's like they, they, they never had a good match. You always wanted it to be really good, like the SummerSlam 97 kind of vibe, but mm-hmm. it was never anything that you were like, Jesus, man, I remember that. You don't remember an actual match. You just remember them going, oh, they wrestled. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and the, the SummerSlam match is the most memorable but that's because the Shawn Michaels stuff is what takes away the spit. Like the final five seconds of that match is what's so memorable about yeah. it. Yeah, we're gonna. I can't wait till we talk about the Shawn stuff because that definitely weaves into WrestleMania 13. But yeah, 13 might take a bit. <laughs> let's let's go through this WrestleMania 12 match. Chuck, t- walk us through this uh, Diesel Taker match. Well, right before I get into it, I think D- Kevin Nash had signed with WCW. Yes, I think that had happened. Yes. And. Because I've always heard this rumor that Diesel was supposed to go over Undertaker at this match. You know, because they hadn't quite established the streak yet. And I think they were trying to push Diesel again. It's mentioned, but it's not I don't think it's ever been confirmed or anything. It's just, you know, it's like anything else. It's a rumor. But when he signed with WCW, then they, you know, this was basically Diesel's last big, like, televised match, I think. At least on pay-per-view. What is the match with Sean? He has a match with Sean after this, I believe. At an In Your House? I think. Because I think he puts over Sean as well on his way out. Because I remember Nash said... One of them was that he was going to put over the Warriors. Like, no, not going to put him over. But he said they said Undertaker. He's like, absolutely, no problem. We'll do it, hands down. I'll put yeah. the Undertaker over. And then I think they had said Sean. I think, but anyway. Yeah, I don't recall that. Hmm. Um, so the match itself. So there's no video package, which I was a little upset about that because, like I said, like I think the Undertaker coming up through the ring. I, that's my first memory of of that stunt being done. Right. And it was always effective. Like, Kevin Nash's face was just incredible <laughs> when Undertaker came. It's like he didn't even know. I was going to ask you, did did the feed go out for you while watching this match? Like, did it go to black? Like, yes, it, it did for you. Okay, I was wondering if it was my TV or not. I think so. There's a weird copy of, of WrestleMania 12 on the network where it's it goes to black after about the first minute of the match for like 10 seconds, hmm. but it comes back. It's, a, it's the, the best striker in the business is uppercutting. Nash so hard that he knocks the feet out because <laughs> they're they're right over on top of the cables I think and standing on it and maybe cutting it out I don't know it's a weird I had to rewind it a few times to make sure yeah. I wasn't like stroking out or something. Uh, J- um, Jerry Lawler makes a uh, an interesting comment. He tries to kind of build the match up to be a little bit more than it is when Undertaker's coming to the ring. He makes a half baked comparison to the biblical plagues. Yeah, Did you catch that? Yes, Vince absolutely no sells it. He doesn't mention, you know, he doesn't give it any kind of room to breathe at all. And um, the under, although Vince, what he does say is, well, we're only minutes away from the battle of the monsters. <laughs> all you have to do to be monsters is be tall, right. basically. I never thought of Kevin Nash quite like that. I mean, honestly, the Undertaker's matches all the way from WrestleMania 9 to 15, or stopping at, at 14. Th- that's what I mean, yeah. Through they're, WrestleMania they're 14, all, they're, they're all right. big. Big stupid idiot. Big stupid idiot matches. No, not yeah. all of them. But <laughs> no, 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 dudes. not at all. Big dudes. Because uh, I, I don't think I don't think uh, Kevin Nash gets enough credit. And 
not so much for his WCW stuff, but I am a big fan of his work in WWF. Mainly his, his trilogy of matches with Brett that he had in the 90s, uh, in the mid-90s. And this match is, is pretty similar. I love that the match starts with them just going right at it. Like, just like, you know, fists of fire and that kind of thing. It's cool to see Undertaker do a flying crossbody. Yeah. <laughs> just, that would have been an awesome effect. See how much pinfall. he stepped up, too, just in yeah. terms of his work. It's fun watching his wrestling. His wrestling style has changed quite a bit just from the last year's yeah. WrestleMania. And a lot of it's probably the opponent. That, too. He can do stuff. And I think Taker might be a little bit more excited about about wrestling Diesel. Yeah. Um, I, I did make a note about Jack Doan. His counts are way too fast. You notice this? Yeah, they're pretty quick. They're really fast. Yeah. And even to the point where he's off camera and Taker's covering Diesel and you can hear the mat hit twice and you know your mind automatically hears the third hit. But you know, it, it hasn't happened on the screen and Diesel manages to get out of it. Right. Like they're they're having to react quickly to how fast these counts are. Um, Taker, he does this spot a couple of times. This is kind of his Ric Flair going to the top rope thing where he will try the flying clothesline. And the guy will duck, and it just looks weird. Like, yeah, there's it doesn't one look in the, like the way it's supposed to. Look. There's one in the Sid match that I think is like he a, does it there too. That one looks like a botch. Like yeah, it does not look right. This one looks a little better, but I get what you mean. I get what you mean. Yeah, he kind of gets hung up in the ropes for a second. Um, Jerry Lawler makes another reference to thirteen thirteen Mockingbird Lane. I, like this, I, I, I even when Bobby Heenan said it, I kind of rolled my eyes. It's just. That's just a desperation kind of reference to me. I love the double big boot. Yes, I wrote that. Really cool. Cool bit, yeah. Um, what I don't love is this bear hug rest spot. Mm-hmm. This goes on way too long. You know, like A minute and eight seconds. Thank you, thank you, Jason. Yeah, it's... <laughs> I, knew you would, I knew you would time it. It just goes on for way too long. Top rope flying clothesline looks excellent. And then here is where the match starts to look like WrestleMania 8. Um, Diesel hits Undertaker with a jackknife. Won't cover him. You think it's the same thing? Where, yeah. where he might be protecting the finish? That's a good point. Because he jackknifes him twice. Right. And the first time, he just doesn't cover him. He just right. kind of poses like, yep. Yeah, I think so. It, it's one of those things that fits. It fits kind of into his character because they're just he was cocky. Yeah, I'll give yeah. you that. But yeah, it does seem weird. Like I don't, I don't understand a wrestling when heels don't go for just go for it, or even a cocky pin. Yeah, like, like the foot a on pin. Top. Yeah, mm-hmm. just go for it. So he he hits him with it again, and then he he goes for kind of a cover after a, a, like a second, and Taker does the you know the hand of the throat. It's great. It gets a nice little reaction. Pummels Taker for a bit. Taker keeps doing it. I actually like this little exchange. And then we get a choke slam and an awesome tombstone pile driver. Yeah. To like, It looks like devastating. Yeah. And how you could do this safely with a guy the size of Kevin Nash right. is incredible. And um, Undertaker, one, two, three. He's five and oh. Uh, yeah. I'd, I'd give this match a six. I yeah, like it. I think it's solid too. I think I ended up with a... Uh, what I have my rating on here, but yeah, I would say I would I would definitely give it a. Because I'm trying to remember what our ratings were for the other ones. Like I remember giving Taker and Snooka like a seven. Yeah, me too. So I, but I like I do like that match more. Yeah. Um, for what it is, I mean the work rate's better here. Yeah, I'll hang in with a seven for this. I'll hang okay. in with a seven for this one. Jason, how about you? Throw what other thoughts did you have on it? Um. Well, with Vince is really, really trying to build up 
Diesel when he's coming out. He's cool. He's big. Mm-hmm. He's big daddy cool. <laughs> you know, it's like, all right. I don't understand, still don't understand how Diesel's music is supposed to get people excited. It really just seems so. The, yeah. Yeah, okay. Doesn't it feel like they just repackaged that and made it Big Show's music? Well, it sounds. Do you remember what Diesel's first soon. theme was? Was it, just it was literally just, just like, yeah, for like two minutes. Yeah. It was awful. It was, it was like his right to censor music. Right. I always liked right. Diesel's music, but I agree somewhat with Jason. I, I like the horn, and that's about it. I mean, the blues stuff is fine, but yeah, I don't see how you could get excited for it. Yeah. Not at all. Um, there's a really chubby, bull-headed kid that's kind of behind Vince I'm, and I love that kid. Jerry Lawler. <laughs> <laughs> who is just like at the beginning of this WrestleMania is just cutting a fucking promo on somebody and it's hilarious. Um the uh the camera work for Taker's entrance is fantastic. The shot that they get from behind when he's standing on the stairs to the ring and it's the kind of way below him and he raises the lights there looks really, really cool. Mm-hmm. Um that's really neat. I like that Diesel does something during this match that I really like when faces or heels do it. Especially if it, you know, if it's a grudge match, it's really good when faces do it. Where he rolls back in the ring to break the ten count while they're on the outside and continue beating up on people. Um, Paul Bear does another great job of some character work where Diesel's got Taker down, and they do a camera shot, and he's got the urn sitting right on the ring, and he's like screaming "Get up" or something. It's really, really good. The bear hug, like, is minute and eight seconds because I'm watching. I'm going, "How long is this fucking hug?" Really, really, really long. Um, it is weird to see Undertaker take a power bomb. At, you know, at this point, he shows Terry how to jump. That's yeah, I wrote. This is how you do it. <laughs> That's my name for the finish, Kevin. You're gonna have to fucking jump. But uh, I think it would have been cooler, like you said, when we, you were going into why Diesel didn't go for the pin, as if he would have sold it that it took a lot to do that to the Taker. Like if he had dropped down to his knees and was clinging to the ropes, yes, to make you know Taker so big, then it would make sense. Not standing there going. Look at my cock. I just did this to this guy. Can you believe that? Why pin it? You're right, because I, I don't know if Taker had ever been... I'm not sure if he'd ever been powerbombed or, or a big guy move like that before. Not really, because no. I, I don't even count the Yoko stuff. No. Because really, Yoko probably would give that belly-to-belly suplex. Or the Samoan. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, to see yeah to see Undertaker get powerbombed and, and it, to look that good. The way you fix that with Jason, what, what you're saying is both guys needed to attack the other guy's lower back. The entire match. Like, Diesel is kind of doing it to Taker. Kind of. With the bear hug and those strikes. But if Taker was doing it right back to him, then it becomes who's got who's going to have the most power left to be able to do their finisher since both of their power moves require a ton of upper body strength that puts strain mm-hmm. on the back. Go ahead, Jason. I'm sorry. Well, no, that, that's, you know, logic in wrestling. That has no place. Um, but this match, I'm, I'm kind of within line with you guys. I give it a, a six. Up to this point, it's definitely his, like, I would say through and through, like, because the thing I feel bad about with, like, the WrestleMania 8 matches, it just feels incomplete. Like, it's, it's, it's very short. This match it's, has the best work ethic. Yes, that's what I'm getting at. That's exactly what I'm getting at. Yeah, I don't know I think, if it's, I don't think it's my favorite of so far, but in terms of work ethic and just a solid, like, all-around complete match. And it's been match. two, I mean, like, over the past two years, they, or three years technically, but over the last two manias for Taker, it's just been... Just garbage yeah. that he's had to work with. And now he's finally working with somebody who can Kevin can Nash move. is a quality wrestler. Yeah. He's not he's underrated as he a really worker. is. You know, I think a lot of times we think of just the booker stuff and we integrate that into how we feel of him as a wrestler. It's like, no, that stuff was bad. But the wrestler 
The WCW stuff is what people think of. Like he's one of the few guys where people think of the WCW work first, you know, and because everyone looks at Diesel as a failure. I loved Diesel. When, how he's a, when I was a, well, because he he drew low on the house shows. Like that's always the argument. How they do on the house shows, you know, <laughs> that always seems to be what people talk about. Right. He was champion for ten months. I loved him as champion. But then again, I mean, I was eight or nine years old, and maybe that's right. a season somewhere down the line. Yeah. But you know, I thought he was—I thought he was good, and he had charisma. He was one of the dudes with attitude. You know, yeah. before they were the click. I always liked Diesel. He's a great character. So now, like, with our next match, this is, um, this was my match of the of the group here. It's gonna be the WrestleMania 13. What's awesome is it's the night after WrestleMania 12 is when. It's really when Undertaker's career completely changes in a great direction. Uh, because here it comes. Uh, next time on Raw, Mankind made his debut and interfered in Undertaker's oh. match against Justin Hawk Bradshaw. For the next few months, Mankind ambushed and cost the Undertaker several matches. The feud intensified and they began taking their battles into crowds, backstage areas, and in the boiler rooms of different arenas. Mankind cost the Undertaker the WWF Intercontinental Championship at In Your oh, House Undertaker 8. Undertaker was almost triple crown <laughs> Beware of dog. Oh, <laughs> I was there. That's <laughs> right. Assisting champion Goldust to victory. As a result, the first ever Boiler Room Brawl was booked between the two at SummerSlam. During the match, when Undertaker reached for Paul Bear's urn, Bear hit him with it, betraying the Undertaker and allowing Mankind to incapacitate him with the mandible claw, giving him the win. After Bear's betrayal, The Undertaker took his rivalry with Mankind to a new level, resulting in a Buried Alive match in the main event of In Your House 11, Buried Alive, where The Undertaker won the match after a choke slam into the open grave. However, after the interference from The Executioner, yes! as well as the help of several other wrestlers, The Undertaker was ultimately buried alive. But the carry. Right. That image. After being buried alive, The Undertaker returned at the Survivor Series, again pitting himself against mankind, but with a unique stipulation that hanging 20 feet above the ring was Paul Bearer enclosed in a steel cage. If The Undertaker won the match, he would be able to get his hands on Bearer. Even though The Undertaker won the match, interference from the executioner enabled Bearer to escape Undertaker's clutches. Since Survivor Series, The Undertaker had developed a more informal, casual, dead man incarnation than before. In this new form, he took on a gothic, brash, and rebelling persona, perhaps a better fit in with the then budding, more adult-oriented attitude era. In this form, he proclaimed himself as the Lord of Darkness. The Undertaker then briefly turned his attention to the Executioner, who had an Armageddon rules match. <laughs> he then moved on to a feud with Vader, whom he faced in January 97 at the Royal Rumble in a singles match, which Undertaker lost after Bear interfered on behalf of his new protege. The two then clashed in the Royal Rumble match itself as they made it to the final moments of the match, but both were eliminated by Stone Cold Steve yeah, hell Austin. Yeah. It's one of the best Rumbles. <laughs> who, had crept, who had crept back into the match <laughs> after his elimination was unseen. He faced both Vader and Austin in a Four Corners elimination match for the vacant WWF Championship at In Your House 13 Final Four, but Bret Hart won. However, the following month, the Undertaker managed to win the title for the second time by defeating Psycho Set at WrestleMania 13. So let's talk about that match here. So um, the story of this match—that's the first thing I have here. It's interesting to compare this match to last year's match with Diesel. Um, 
Taker versus a guy who is as big and as who is as big and strong as him. The difference here, though, is Sid is both powerful and aggressive in taking the fight to Taker. The table bump on the outside looks grisly, since this was one of the rare times the table was used in the WWF at this point. But the way Taker takes it makes it look so devastating. It's also interesting that Sid controls the match by at least a 60-40 margin, and that might be generous. Sid gets a lot of knocks for his offense, but although it's limited, it's very effective. The way he works Taker's back through strikes and bear hugs creates the narrative that Taker will have a lot of trouble going for the tombstone. For himself, The Undertaker is hitting on all cylinders, as we have now added the quote-unquote best pure striker offense to his repertoire since his feud with Mankind. This really is all thanks to that feud, and it really seemed to push the Taker character into a more aggressive babyface direction versus that stalking zombie he was for more, most of the early 90s. Bret Hart's interference uh, in the match uh, is what ultimately is, is what gives Taker the room to get the tombstone on Sid, and I have pretty mixed feelings on it. Just talk about some other parts of the match briefly here. Shawn Michaels on commentary is the most phony, unneeded crap. Nothing he says comes across as genuine. He has some interesting bars with Jerry Lawler where he says to him, at least I can take those moves. His pre-match entrance is as long as the competitors, and his knee doesn't seem to give him any problems in the way he moves to the ring or when he does his well, trademark ring. Well, it's a pussy foot injury. You know? Amanda popped on that. She walked in and heard that and laughed her ass off here. That's great. Yeah. Um, uh, I, again, this is my thing about Brett. The it was both a great part of the match and then an annoying part. The pre-match promo is awesome, and again where he says Sean is pussyfooting around with a fake injury. He pushes the new heel persona, which I thought was so cool because we never see this in the history of WWF. We know about what he did during the match with Austin, but this part is rarely ever seen. It's a great way to try and capitalize on the new heat that he's getting. Um, it's very weird, though, how he looks at The Undertaker and says that he threw away a friendship because I have a hard time believing at this point The Undertaker has many friendships with anybody. Undertaker looked hurt. <laughs> he looked a little... Like, what? Oh, sure, you're not going to Long John Silver's anymore, huh? Yeah, man, I thought we were buds. <laughs> I got that coupon. <laughs> <laughs> Sid's powerbomb on Brett gets some mass, massive babyface pops, but Sid does a great job of flipping the crowd later to come across as the ultimate heel in the match. Um, the other two Brett appearances, like, they... they are just really overdone. Like, it just gets to a point where it's, it's kind like, of funny. It's funny, but it's like... <laughs> I agree. Though. But um, I find the the uh, the spot, though, I love how this is where we get this, the debut of the... Uh, somebody reverses the tombstone. Yes. And tries to pin Undertaker with it, with his own... Th and he kicks out of it. I thought that was really cool. Um, the commentary is fascinating, hearing Vince and Jim Ross kind of jockeying for position with Jerry Lawler in the middle, figuring out his role as that heel commentator. And Sean. Um, and of course, like the other, uh, uh, just one last bit. I, Sean says of Taker that he's been screwed a lot of times and never complains. And I thought that was funny because after the last episode, man, he had every right to complain after those two Mania matches. But the last thing I'll say on a comedic note is the fact that JR at one point says this match won't end on an inside cradle. And I kind of wanted to see one after he said that with The Undertaker just sneaking one in on set. <laughs> oh, I got it. I'm going to practice one. But ultimately, I think this is a great match. The, of course, the, the moment at the end is fantastic. It's iconic to see Undertaker hold the belt up. It's interesting that they didn't like they they use the bread interference to kind of keep Sid strong. I do love the fact that by the end of this, 
it really does feel like there are multiple guys who could be the WWF champion, even though The Undertaker is the title holder now. Austin, who should have, they should have used him here. They should have had him come back out and fight Brett some more. I thought that would have been awesome. But the fact that you have Brett out there, you have Sean at commentary, who could, anybody could be champion. You can't say that a lot in WWF, that there are that many guys that could viably be the guy holding the belt. So overall, I end up giving this match, I, I give this one a seven. In, I know I gave, um, I definitely, I like this one more than 12. I think it's a better match than 12. I think Sid is amazing in this. Although the thing I find funny, every time he did a top rope move, I'm like, oh, because I keep thinking about his leg that would oh, of burst course. later. How can you on. not? So, all right, I'm going to defer now. Jason, go ahead. And, uh, what are your thoughts on the WrestleMania 13 match? Well, WrestleMania 13 was the week of March 23rd, 1997. The reason why I didn't do it last time is because I had a whole bunch of jokes written for Martin, and it wouldn't have played out funny without him there. It would more feel like bullying. Um, but the number one movie, it, it would have. The number one movie in the world, uh, or in the U.S. that week, was Liar Liar. Yes. So, here, um, the U.S. Yeah, the, the U.S. pop charts continue their heel turn from last year, with uh, the number one song being Puff Daddy featuring Mace. Can't nobody hold me down. While folks over in the UK were listening to the Spice Girls, who do you think you are? So, I mean, everybody sucked that year, so not a big deal. Um, this was a, as far as a, a, a big spectacle, uh, the intro, it was like kind of the beginning of them doing the over dramatic WrestleMania entrances where they really start focusing in on the, the legacy of WrestleMania. Because, um, and it's just, great black and white like just slow thing with all these guys with the most depressing stuff at all and it goes tonight none of these men are smiling and then it cues up that really cool upbeat wrestlemania music yes i love it um <laughs> during Shawn michaels very long entrance that will nail on the head that they had to loop his song twice uh there's a drunk guy in a striped shirt on the entryway who keeps grabbing Shawn Michaels, which might explain why it took so long. And that dude looked like he had a hell of a grip, because it's funny. He's, like, grabbing him like he's his best fucking buddy in the I world. I remember Syracuse. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to fuck you a little. <laughs> just hold on. Come on, boy toy. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Um, Lawler, like, whining and getting upset about Shawn Michaels coming out. It gets kind of annoying, but he does have a good point when Shawn Michaels gets in the ring to do his little pose and the pyro goes off. He goes, come on, are you kidding me? He's not even wrestling. <laughs> but that makes a whole bunch of sense. Um, they cut real quick back to Sid with Todd Pettingale, and Sid's going to Sid because he gets the mic and he goes, WrestleMania is the biggest event of the, of the world <laughs> in wrestling. And I was like, yes, this is great. I love that um, he corrected it and made it an incorrect statement. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> he was fine the first time. Because he wants to say something about the world a little bit. You know, he's also got to throw right. his master rules the world. And I love the way Sid cuts promos as Psycho Sid. It's like, I'm yelling at maximum capacity and suddenly I'm, I'm barely listening. So you think your audio is going out. But he really is. He starts at a 10 and always ends at a 10. Like, right. even, it, it, he's never like just slow burning. He's all over the place. He's psycho. Yeah. Listen to that song. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Uh, it's neat that when Taker finally comes out, the commentators, they don't say a word until, like, he gets to the ring. And I'm like, good. I mean, even then, it's just good. Just let that moment sink in. Because this is important, because this is not just him wrestling King Kong Bundy or some big asshole in a, in a bodysuit. This is 
a world title match. Undertaker versus some big asshole. <laughs> I like to see that on a tombstone next to like Mark Henry and Jake Roberts. Some big asshole. You've, you've seen it. Uh, I like Taker's coming out first, you know, which is still weird. I get it because there's the champ. Champ's mm-hmm. got to come out last. Um, most of the time, if the next competitor is going to have like big pyro or anything, the other, the the person leaves, not Taker. He's just standing right in that corner while that big Sid sign is burning. <laughs> just kind of steals a little bit of the thunder. It's like, yeah, that's cool and all, but uh, I'm about to fuck you up. I love it. And the the neat part is, is where Will was talking about Austin uh, coming out to attack Brett. It's technically, Austin is in the main event since like three pints of his blood are all over the ring the whole match. I, when I was going back to watch this, I was like, God, who pl-? I was like, oh, yeah, Austin passed out. Um, the bear hug spot in this one, Charlie, because oh, I know you're interested. God. <laughs> one minute, 42 seconds. I, there's something, there's, though, about the way. Like, there's I, like three rest spots. In this I know, match. I know, I know. In some ways, though, like, I, I, I like the way Sid integrates it because I know, you can tell what he's doing. He's trying to wear him down. Well, it makes more sense than Taker's trapezius rest spot. Okay. I'm like, why yeah. is Taker doing this? Right. Damn right. it. Right. <laughs> true sid does at least unlike diesel who's just holding him sid does keep like looks like he's forcing it more where he's like squeezing more air out um so it looks a lot less like a rest but um just this you know where the you were talking about earlier like with the working on the lower back it really seemed like sid was going after taker's lower back because the table spot where he slams taker through he slams him right on some equipment Mm -hmm. that's Mm -hmm. on there um I can almost like at the moment that happened, I heard both you two just bust out into an impression. Like we're talking. Oh, the table spot? Oh, it's so funny. He just disappears. (laughs) And and, wait, is this. No, I think that's later. It's later. Yeah. Keep going. No, this is the one where he's like, Sid doesn't bother to move the equipment and like. (laughs) Oh, yeah. God damn it, Yudi. No, 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 how arms fell. Oh, no. We get a great big double boot spot again. Yeah. Uh, it was weird when you, like, I can imagine, like, freaking out as a kid seeing this, but then being I just saw it, like, 15 minutes ago, it was it just kind of diminished it. Because, like, man, this these matches are almost identical. They're close. It's just Sid's a lot more aggressive and less cocky than Diesel is. When Sid hits Taker, like, does the tombstone spot, you could hear, like, the air just get sucked out of the crowd. Mm-hmm. Just kind of cool. Just they're like, like they really, really bought into it. Uh, and then here comes old Sid. Or sorry, old Sid. Here comes Brett. Right, comes running out to hit Sid with the chair. <laughs> Jr. is like, Brett is snapped again. HBK says he hasn't snapped. He's bitter. He just doesn't have. He just is not in the spotlight again. And the camera immediately cuts to Brett standing in the spotlight, fighting with the reps. I was like, all right, that's really weird timing. Um, Hebner's count at the end of this match was really slow. I right, thank you. Once again, this little asshole who's been doing that stupid count. Sorry, Jason, I gotta hijack this for a second because, because yeah, Hebner has this very subtle way, and I'm sure I've said this before, of making these matches about him, where one, two, and then no, 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 no. But then if uh, it's really kind of fast, these these counts, and then for that final count, one. Go get a sandwich. Come back. Two. He is so slow. And I'm like, if he takes a bump, it makes sense because he's like, man, he's man. Hebner's damaged. Get Dave. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then uh, 
the cool part about the and like the big iconic moment where Taker's holding the belt, everyone's happy. Is a shout out to our set pod friends because some jerk throws their hat in the ring. <laughs> it's like a baseball cap at Taker's feet. I'm like, God, it just ruins the visual. Uh, but I mean, like, because this was Sid, and you know, we've got this weird affection for the man. Um, I give this a six and a half. He is so good in it. He looked. I, I hate to say this because this makes me sound like one of those fans that just like is is so in love with WWF that like he can't see beyond the past. He just looks like a WWF champion. He looks like a superstar. You know what I mean? I look at him. It's just inc- he just has an incredible look. Go ahead. It's um, to piggyback off that because I actually wrote that down. He looks amazing. Yeah. Coming to the ring in that ring attire and that specific championship belt. That version of the WWF title looks incredible yeah. on, on around Sid's waist. I love it. Uh, I, I know it's been brought up. I have to mention this. Shawn Michaels. Okay. So, the original main event for WrestleMania 13 was supposed to be a rematch between Brett and Shawn. Right. That was always the deal. Like, apparently, when Brett and Sean did the business back at 12. And then Sean had the I lost my smile thing going on, you know, with mm-hmm. the Taker feeling, like, I just don't want to drop the belt. You know, and Brett coming out, I love this era of Brett right here, where it's, it's teetering on that line, mm-hmm. you know, because everything else, everyone else seems like they're in on it and it's fine, but it definitely with Brett and Sean, it seems like something's off. And calling it a pussyfoot injury, you phony little faker. <laughs> A lot, of, a lot of sounds you're just waiting for. <laughs> little fuck face, come quiet, piece of shit, digging asshole. <laughs> I'm just waiting for Brent to just absolutely lose it. But here's the problem. And we've talked about this with promos before. Uh, the one that we were talking about was when AJ did her promo. AJ Lee. Um, Sean won't shut up during Brett's entire thing. And he's like, oh, he's just crying. He's just bitter. You know, like, you know, Brett had never had friends or this or that. He's just like, shut up. Just shut the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> like, let Brett do his thing and then you do your thing. Like, that's how wrestling works. Right. You know, that's one thing John Cena is actually pretty good at, you know, for, to give him credit for something. Um, this is, I believe this is the last time that we see Taker in the classic Undertaker wrestling attire. With the gray, mm-hmm. you know, I love I love seeing him bring that back. It is not mentioned that Undertaker is a former WWF champion from uh, his victory over Hulk Hogan. Doesn't that feel like a billion years ago? At this it point? does at this point. It's weird how wrestling back then changed so much over a short period of time. Yet wrestling now, it still feels like wrestling from seven years ago. Yeah, like even the look of the production quality. Yeah. from ninety one to ninety seven is completely different. Uh, and it'll even go further in 98. I, I love Taker. Like, when he got slammed on the table, that's one thing. But when Sid pushed him over it, it was <laughs> just Taker's feet up in the air. Yeah. And, oh, no. <laughs> I do love that. Um, I, this, is, it's, this is a lame thing usually, but I absolutely love this. I love Sid's leg drop. When he gives him that leg drop, that thing looks devastating. It really does. Yeah. I was really impressed with that. Um, the, there are three rest spots in this, uh, which 
yeah, I, I hate to harp on that, but it's really the Undertaker's, the one that he gives. It just I don't understand why a face has to put a heel in a rest spot move. Right. Sean's voice in the commentary, his commentary isn't so bad necessarily. Just when he's talking about Brett, that drives me nuts. But he, his voice does have that "I'm a dick" yes. to it. <laughs> it just just has that tone to it. You know, he's like, oh, you know, there's a lot of guys who've held that title that didn't deserve it, if you know what I mean. But he just has this way of talking that is so annoying. You know, just like, just go away. Um, double pig food. Brett constantly coming back out. Normally I'd complain about constant interference in a match, but it's just funny to me at this point. Although why Taker needs help. To win a title, even though that's not the reason why Brett's doing it. Brett's just pissed at Sid. Yeah. Because actually, Brett had, I believe, he dropped the belt to Sid at, on a Monday Night Raw. Yeah. Uh, and and I think Taker inter like he was pissed because Taker had interfered. And he accidentally. Because remember, Taker Taker had earned the spot to be, I, I Taker had earned the spot to be the guy challenging for the belt at Mania. Mm -hmm. But like for whatever reason, and I don't know if it was like he wanted Sid, he wanted to make sure he got Sid. Okay. Was why well, it's like the, the main event bounced back and forth. Remember, um, Austin's promos with Brett leading into 13 were, uh, you ruined it for us. Like, he would say something, you ruined it for us. Like, the, we're, sp we're supposed to be fighting for the title and this and that. And if that would have made that match even more it, compelling. It's a mania that is often looked down upon, WrestleMania 13. And when you get outside of this match, and of course, the five star Austin Hart match, I think it is looked down on for a reason. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not very good, but. Outside of that, it's not though, as good it's like, as twelve. Th those two storylines overlapping with each other are so that, that was cool, and that's not done. I mean, well, it's hard to find any time even after that where they successfully had that many stars vying for the belt at the same time. Right, and I think this was also the first time where the winner of the Royal Rumble didn't fight for the title at Mania right. because of Austin's shenanigans. Right, <laughs> the greatest. It's the funniest Royal Rumble. <laughs> oh, is that Phineas Godwin? God damn. <laughs> <laughs> that stunner he gives to Phineas oh is epic. <laughs> um, two more things I'll say. I love whenever JR, usually it's a car wreck Kind of analogy. Yeah. This time uh, we're on the set of Twister. It, yeah, it, this is a this is a war where there there will be casualties. Is that the? Oh no, wait, that's next that's year. That's next year. Next year. Sorry, sorry, sorry. That's next year. But right now we're up, we're just on the set of Twister, <laughs> and I'm like, that, that was the year before. But all right, Jr., I get you. Um, and finally, to 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 cap off my just utter contempt for Shawn Michaels. After Taker wins the match, it's great. The celebration's great. Vince's commentating is really good, and you just hear this. For the remaining three or four minutes, it has to be Shawn Michaels. I'm not. I don't think it's anyone else but Shawn. Just, just, yeah, just clapping constantly. Yeah, I know there are a lot of people applauding, but that's on the mic. It that's, is so loud in the yeah, mic, yeah. and it could be. Yeah, Jr. Vince Lawler, they wouldn't do this. I, I just imagine it's him because of how much he was amping up Undertaker, which I swear was just because he didn't want Undertaker to beat the shit out of him backstage. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just, right. I really like the Undertaker. <laughs> you know, do you, Charlie, do you think that uh, Vince had to hold Sean down? Because, you know, at some point, it's after he wins, Sean's like, I gotta be a part of, you know, he's like, I gotta be a part of this moment. I don't know if he said, I'm glad to be, but it sounds like he says, I gotta be, and then you don't hear him talk, you just hear him clap, that Vince was like over there with his hand, don't you dare get up and get in that ring. Like would take Did a celebration. Did he say that? I need to. I need I, to be a part of this. I think I, it's either I'm glad to be a part of it or I need to be a part of. It. But 
if oh, it's, I'm glad to be a part of it, okay. But if I need, I need to be a part of it, then it's. I need to be a well, part of this, Vince. It's like I need a part of when, possibly imagine. When Brett is going off on Sean, it's weird. It's this is one of the first times I, I think this happened where they cut the camera over to the announce table and Vince is already standing up behind Sean. You know, like you used to see this a lot when Vince would commentate in '97, where he'd be standing up or Austin would, you know, hit him upside the head. But yeah, Vince was already in. You, I'm going to control the situation mode, you know, and that's a great blurring of the line too. But I love his little flirting know. with Sean. I was like, "You always do things your way." Yeah, you always do things your <laughs> way. Yeah, which Vince and Sean just have the weirdest relationship. I'm telling you, whatever the jokes were about, like Hogan and Vince in the hotel room writing "No Holds Barred." Oh, yeah. Imagine what they were. <laughs> Vince and Sean. And they're writing heartbreaking trauma. Isn't that one of those weird <laughs> urban myths? Oh, that, yeah, like, that they're gay. Yeah, that, no, I'll flat out say it. That, I mean, that is one of the things. That, but those Vince rumors have been around since the Nails days. <laughs> <laughs> he violated me. I did that. <laughs> He's just working on another aneurysm. Put it in your mouth. <laughs> oh, Jesus. But no, that was always a thing that Vince like had a thing for Sean. I, I don't, I don't like feeding into that. Crap. No, no, I mean, but, it, it's just one of those things that's it's out there. But they do have a weird like Vince let him get away with a lot of crap. Yeah, he really did. And I'm, I mean, the easy answer is well, I, I don't want him to leave. Well, that was always one of those great hypotheticals we used to talk about. You know, what if Kevin Nash and Scott Hall had stayed and Triple H and Sean had gone and formed the NWO with Hogan? I don't. First, I don't know if they would have. I don't. Sean was ordered to leave. Yeah, I know that. I don't know if Triple H was ready to like be like he. Remember it. This is still him like getting killed by the warrior, which I watched by the way. I did too. I, I watched. It's it. only like thirty seconds, but it's so funny. Because <laughs> it, what's funny is like Warrior, man. The way WWE blows him now, <laughs> I will always cherish the self destruction of the Ultimate Warrior. And uh, and that that match with Triple H is so fucking awful. Like even by squash match standards. But the thing that I love about it is when t- when he does that final splash on Triple H. I mean, it looks like he killed him. <laughs> like, it looks like full force Jim Helwig right on top of Hunter and just <laughs> no, you're not gonna kick out of that. Man, that match is funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's all about the game. No, it's not. Uh-uh. Nope. So, let me oh. ask both you guys this real quick. Would you put this above the Diesel match? No, I'd give this a... I, I, simply because I think Jason's right. I think this match, to sum this all up, I think this match is very similar to the Diesel match. It's just slower. And mm-hmm. and it's, it's really the three rest spots, the Bret Hart interference, Shawn Michaels' commentary... They really take away from Taker's moment, I think. I love the tombstone. Yeah. Once again, Taker tombstone's a huge guy, and it looks incredible. But, um, no, I think it just barely doesn't quite make it to the Diesel match. I give this a 6. Still like it. Jason, do you think it's better than 12? Uh, I don't think the match is better, but Taker winning the World Heavyweight Championship is why I give it a half a point better. Um, but, I mean, again, it's the, it's the situation... Elevating the the ranking as opposed to the match itself. Right, right. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to figure out because, like, I believe from last episode, and I'm sorry I didn't have this prepared beforehand, but I believe we had did, we had WrestleMania 11 lower than nine, right? Did we think that yes. was we thought collectively yeah. that was the worst thus far? It is. And then nine above that, and then we had seven, and then eight. Right. So now, would we say? That twelve is twelve is better than eight. 
Would you say that? No. Yeah. Okay, because we're trying to come up with a master list for the group here. I don't know. We're part of the plan. Well, I'm, it's it makes well, it makes it a little more interesting because especially when we get later on, the catalog of these matches is much right. bigger. It really gets bigger. Because what's amazing is like this this pack of matches. Like, if he didn't wrestle like much beyond this, these would be the greatest Undertaker WrestleMania yes, matches. And what's crazy is he's about to have like a, a lot more better yeah, matches not just than the both. matches of his career, but some right. of the greatest matches of all time. Yeah. Well, now that's because the reason I ask is that this next one I think is really interesting. It's WrestleMania 14. I think the 14 match is really fascinating because you're going to be talking about the build. I'm just a South fan. I think it's the best build he's ever had for a WrestleMania match of any of them. I think even up through the rest of the, the, this catalog we're going to be going through, I think it's, if not, it's in the top three. But um, go ahead and walk us through it, man. 14, him and Kane. I think uh, I don't remember when Kane said this. It might have been a year ago. I don't remember what the context was, but he said that um, the Kane versus Undertaker storyline is the greatest form of epic storytelling that the WWF has ever told or put together. And I, abs- I mean, I absolutely agree. Uh, right. At least in the early going, before the thing became a, a true soap opera and got way too convoluted. If Brett and Sean could have had a match in Re- at WrestleMania after Brett came back, then that would have been. But because Brett couldn't, because he'd had a stroke, and he had to match up with Vince. He, oh, he, I see. That, well, that would well, have epic been. storytelling in terms of like um, just the supernatural aspect. The fact that this there, this feud back in the day truly felt like a horror movie. Yeah. Like that's what was so cool about it, and this this unearthing of an Undertaker backstory with Paul Bear, ret- you know, returning without makeup, had a more realistic look to him, yeah. saying that he had a brother that. Nope, that we didn't know about that Undertaker killed in a fire. I still don't really know why he set the place on fire, and which ended up killing Taker's parents. You know, like this was so wild to first hear about this. And Kane is coming. Well, who the hell's Kane? And I remember because this for me, I watched this pay per view live. This all starts at Bad Blood um, when I was watching on Scramble and have, trying to figure out what that guy looked like that was coming towards the ring and to see Kane rip the door off that handle and deliver that Kane tombstone that just looks so unsafe. I think it's safe to say as well, it may be the greatest Kane moment of his career. Yes. I, I mean... He, st- yeah. he started on top and uh, and that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> he peaked the second he left. But this is Glenn Jacobs. Yeah. Who started off as uh, Isaac Yankum, you know, Jerry Lawler's dentist. Yeah, it's pretty bad that he had more memorable matches with Bret Hart than The Undertaker did. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, then it became fake Diesel. Mm. Awful. But this is this was what he was supposed to do. This is what he was born to do. So we have a new monster. And on top of that, he's actually a pretty damn good wrestler. And he is intimidating. And, and you remember in the early days, um, Kane would mimic a lot of The Undertaker's things and do it almost perfectly. Like the top rope flying clothesline, mm-hmm. the sitting up. The choke slam. It all looked very similar to the way the Undertaker would do things, and um, I hated his tombstone though. Oh, the tomb. Well, except for the tomb. Yeah, the tombstone's the he one. He looks scared to do it. Is the problem? I yeah, think he's well, scared. Well, he looked comfortable doing. It. Yeah, I think because any move involving his knees, yeah. even when King takes the stunner, it was like, how's he going to land this time? You know. But the way the storyline went, uh, as I recall, because I actually still remember the storyline pretty well. Um, t- Kane wanted to fight the Undertaker. Undertaker refused. I won't. He pulled the Bret Hart Owen Hart deal. I'm not going to fight my brother. Right. But then um, it looked like they might actually start getting along, 
Yeah. Right before the rumble? Yeah. But even at that age, I was kind of aware it's of It's a cool moment. See, it is. When Kane puts wrong. his hand out and then Taker does the knee or the his his pose. His version. Whatever. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. It's so cool. And Undertaker fights Sean at the Royal Rumble for the title. This is Sean's at the time career ending uh match yeah. where he hits his back on the casket and he's out for four and a half years. And Kane comes out, looks like he's gonna help Sean actually or sorry, he looks like he's gonna help Taker. Actually, help Sean choke slams Taker in the casket, and they set it on fire. And it's a hell of an image, and it's made even better by Jr.'s commentary. Like, Our casket's on fire! So cool. They open the casket at the end. No Undertaker. Man, this is why this was so great. And then <laughs> Kane, man, <sighs> Kane at No Way Out fought Vader, who was you know the monster like in the early '90s, mm-hmm. uh, you know, outside of Undertaker. And Kane just destroys him. I mean, he just wrecks his face with a wrench. Yeah, just kills him. He's like, oh, a new dog in town. You know, just destroys him. Undertaker does that awesome promo on Raw where he walks through fire well, and hell. Do you remember how it starts? He's on, a, he's on top of a casket. Right. Or a coffin. And he just sits up like, all right, time to get started. <laughs> well, the thing that was always weird was, I mean, and it would have been weird to see him holding he's a microphone, <laughs> is that I, I don't know how to win here, but he is mic'd. Yes. And he's not having to hold a microphone, which probably would have looked even more dumb. I will tell you something about this promo. I know exactly, because this was the debut of what I called Constipated Taker. Because listen to the way he says, you will rush in peace. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he blew it out finally. Oh no! <laughs> but it's a it's a awesome him walking through the. He, I will walk through hell, fire, and brimstone and shit. You don't have to fight you. It's just awesome. the crowd goes nuts because we've waited and waited. Yeah, this had waited. a great build. Yes, and uh, WrestleMania 14. I mean, this was the mania that you know, I watched all the time as a kid, and and the big draw for Mania was Mike Tyson. Mm-hmm. That was the draw. Austin was fighting Sean. Mm-hmm. Sean was kind of an afterthought, yeah. and it didn't help his case that he didn't wrestle for two months because of the back problem. Right. So a lot of my interest in this mania came from just this storyline. Undertaker and Kane, I don't think, gets enough credit for helping this WrestleMania uh, simply because of the Tyson thing. Yeah. Like, this mania was huge. i tell you how huge real quick. You know how many people watch 13? The buy rate? It's like 350,000? 0.77. I'm sorry, I'll go with that. Oh, okay. 0.77 was the buy rate for 13. The buy rate for WrestleMania 14 is 2.44. Oh, yeah. That's how many more people cared about watching. This was truly the beginning of WWF coming back and and taking over from WCW. But, you know, the Mike Tyson thing was great. Loved that with Austin for the most part. But Taker and and Kane, this was the... For me, the the true draw. And the only other thing I would add to it is Kane's undefeated. He had not right. lost. The only the, and the coolest thing they did was they did that bait and switch where they challenged Austin and he knew Austin was gonna come out and fight him. And you're like, they're gonna have oh, Taker and Kane. Oh no, 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 no. They're gonna have Taker and Kane fight, or I'm sorry, they're gonna have Kane and Austin fight on television. That's when they super kicked him before the match started, so it never happened. Right. But it was so cool because they had built Kane. He had murdered Flash Funk and every other jobber. <laughs> he had just killed everybody. He had ripped Vader's face off and he was dead. I mean, it was just awesome. But yeah, what you just said is absolutely correct. I had not, I, the, the the awesome match clearly, I wanted to see him win the belt. You wanted to see like, him win the belt, but it, it's yes. like a foregone conclusion he was right. gonna win. Right. But Undertaker and Kane, it's like, how are they gonna do this? Like, right. This is gonna be so cool. Um, Let's see. We gotta get to the match here. 
Um, oh, here we go. I <laughs> I love it. I'm so excited to watch this match. Completely forgot about the Pete Rose thing. Yeah, was like a fascination with me from this Mania to 17, where Pete Rose kept coming back. But this him coming out and just antagonizing the Boston crowd is so funny. Because, I mean, they, like some of them are like, you can tell they're, they're having fun with Pete Rose, but some of them are legitimately He mad. gets wrestling so well. Yeah, Pete Rose got it. Yeah. He just got it. And, and the thing that and Pete Rose is kind of like slimy history makes it even better. And he's like, he does kind of fit in, in this world. And here comes Kane. And this part, I guess in hindsight, doesn't make a whole lot of sense because Kane being the heel, tombstones Pete Rose. And it is, I'm no bullshit, one of the greatest tombstones of all time. I think it is. It looks incredible. His head is like like twenty feet off the ground. Oh, well, no, it is it, not. I'm exaggerating, no, it's but not. it doesn't. It does. Uh, yeah, I, but okay. I but the moment. It looks way more. I do love the moment. Yeah, I, I do love the moment. It looks incredible. And like, why? Although why Taker wouldn't do this, I don't know. I know. <laughs> yeah, you know, Kane gets like a huge pop for basically murdering Pete Rose and Jim Ross's commentary again. Pete Rose just got tombstone. Love that. Um, well, yeah, Pete Rosley, last time I was here, we kicked your ass. <laughs> it's perfect. It's so funny. It's like, it's like the greatest stand-up set in all of professional wrestling. Um, and JR, I love him when, when Kane's coming into the ring. JR goes, well, if I were Pete Rose, I might consider heading for the dugout. <laughs> JR's always timely with He's the... He's got those little yeah, jokes. Yep, yep. And it's... Uh, God... This is the f- the first tr- I, I, nine kind of counts, but not really. This is the first time Taker brings the Druids, which we've said. Remember he we means said, business. Yeah, like this is scary. What is that track? What is that song? That in, that that the, the thing they play when the Druids come out? Oh, dun 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 dun. That thing. Oh, it, it oh, does. Oh, it's oh, cool sounding, yeah. but it doesn't fit. Well, that used to be um, in a lot of movie trailers. Like in the 90s, I remember. Like, it was an awesome song to hear in a movie trailer, but I think it does fit. I'm just like, yeah, let's just amp this up. This is oh, yeah. this is theater. Yeah. Like, that's why it's so cool. And and with the Druids, and they, they're holding up the, the flames, and then, yeah, and the second that song ends, you hear the gong. Oh, and, man. And it's like, this is going to be amazing. Well, well, we'll see. Uh, I, I really consider this to be Taker's first great ring entrance at WrestleMania. I mean, I love Nine right. for what it is, but, you know, the Druid high-fiving people kind of ruins things for me. I love the way Undertaker and Kane's costumes contrast each mm-hmm. other. Like, like it, they actually look really cool. Like, because they modified Kane's costume so many times mm-hmm. after this. That what I always liked was his fourteen with like no sleeve. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see, blah, 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 Kane joke slammer. Uh, man, it's it's kind of unfortunate because the match starts and you can tell like they're kind of trying to feel each other out a little bit. Yeah, and it, I wanted it to start like the Diesel match. And it just it just doesn't. There is a rest spot early on that yeah. gets a booing going on in the crowd, but I mean it, it it kicks into high gear. This is one of my favorite spots of Undertaker going through a table. Oh yeah. Because I mean, first of all, it looks incredible. But what what takes away and also at the same time adds to it, and this is a first mention for this podcast is Hugo Savinovich. Who has been on doing the commentary for for the Spanish announce teams for for years? The way he falls after Undertaker hits that table is so funny. Taker just collapses that table, doesn't even touch Savinovich. 
Savinovich just leans his chair back and just kind of looks like this. <laughs> and then finally the chair falls and Savinovich just dies. Like, Taker came nowhere near hitting him. The other thing that makes that great is the camera does not give it away. No. It's no. following Kane and all of a sudden, oh my god, it's a <laughs> Taker! You know, all of a sudden, man, Taker is just so agile. It's, it's great. Um, Kane hits the tombstone on Undertaker, gets a two count. So it's like, okay, so this is gonna be this is gonna take a little bit more. So then they trade off choke slams with two counts. And like it's really the ending of the match that I just love. I love Undertaker hitting not one or two, but three of these tombstone pile drivers. Yeah. And Kane kicking out at three, I think is an, an awesome ending. You know, and to set up what, what's gonna come later. Kane attacking him after the match, you know, it is what it is. Undertaker Finally, guy gets his gong music playing and he's fine. The match is, it's it's it wasn't as, as good as I remembered, but honestly, the storyline just carries it so well. And Taker yeah, getting yeah. the win was the right call in the fashion that he got it. Okay. Yeah. So I, I'd, I'd give this match a six. Okay. Jason, you go ahead with your. I'll come back to mine in a little bit. Go ahead with your thoughts on it. Sure. So, you guys being movie buffs, this is. March 29th of 1998. You want to take any guesses what the number one movie in the U.S. was? 98 in March. Um, uh, I can't think of it. Mm. <laughs> Don't have it, man. Yeah. Alright. Well, it's because it's, it, it's Titanic. It was oh. still number one. This was right. the last week of its number one run. Um, man in the Iron cool. Mask? Did that beat it? I think so. I it th- did? No, I no, it did. I remember. And no. then, What another shitty movie. Yeah. yeah. And the Iron Mass is just like another Leo movie. And, this, <laughs> and, that, and that one's no good. Nope. Yeah. The, the number one song in the U.S. was Casey and JoJo's All My Life. Finally, a song I can get behind. Yeah. They used no, to we'll, play that at all of our middle school dances. And it was like... <laughs> 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 Oh my god, that was the theme song for my senior prom. God, it was um, No wonder I didn't go. Uh, it was that, and I don't want to miss a thing. Oh, Jesus nope. Christ. Celine Dion's My Heart Will Go On was only number one for two weeks. Is that right? That is fucking weird to think about how big that song was. It was only number one for two weeks. You couldn't get away um, from that song. Nope. The number one song in the UK was Run DMC versus Jason Nevins, which means that somebody remixing a Run DMC song. I was about to say, they didn't release like, anything in 98. Nope. But this guy, just he remixed a very shitty version, and that was what was number one mm-hmm. uh, in the UK. So see, they still have horrible taste in music. And it gets worse as we go on. But uh, my thoughts here on the match, I was very, very, very excited when Pete Rose came out, because I had forgotten too. It's just like, oh, Pete Rose, this is where it starts. One of the coolest little inside jokes for WrestleMania is Kane with going against Pete Rose, and I love that they brought it up during the whole Dr. Shelby thing. Mm-hmm. It was just cool how Kane delivered that, and for some reason I have a fascination with Pete Rose. <laughs> I love it. Um, the You respond, like, the Taker-Kane buildup is, like, the best ever. It really is. Just reliving that where Kane is like, I don't know how they did it where he would point and set shit on fire. And you I don't even remember that. Like, watching that in the video package was so cool. You remember the one with the, the camera guy? There was a camera they guy? They set him on fire. Yeah, they just set a guy on fire. Yeah. Yeah. Man. 
Uh, Pete Rose has got some fucking zingers. I left tickets for Bill Buckner, but he couldn't bend over to pick them up. <laughs> it was the way he said it. He couldn't bend over to pick them up. <laughs> I'm like, oh, God, he's so good. <laughs> and JR's like, to the king, he's like, you didn't help Pete Rose write anything. He said, no, oh, we were hanging out a little bit before taking pictures. And then when We were king looking at some just... 14-year-old girls. Oh, God. <laughs> um, I need a second. That's Pete Rose! <laughs> <laughs> then when he's Kane's here and get him Tombstone. Jarrah's like, I didn't go over this with him. I was like, that's really good that they're they're still playing that. Um, which... <laughs> I missed that. He Can you imagine that? if he came out of Boston Red Sox outfit? <laughs> oh, that would have been even better. <laughs> if came out in a uniform of the Red Sox. <laughs> with a hat. Or, maybe, or maybe with a uh, maybe with a, a Babe Ruth jersey version of the Boston Red Sox. Oh my! The curse of the Bambino. Uh, you <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. You're right. He he got he gets wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, when the druids are just pouring out, I love Jr's comment. My goodness, how many druids are there? <laughs> My goodness. My goodness. Because the entry ramp, even though it's curved, it's really long, and yeah. there's like two druids every five feet, and it's ridiculous, man, of where they're going through. Uh, as far as when we get into the match itself. Kane has some trouble getting Taker into a tree or woe spot. Yeah, he, so he just gives up. He's like, right in the fucking doing it, Glenn. No, sorry, man. Ain't working. Man, my legs are no. tired. I had to walk all that way, man. I had to ride a coach. Ah, they ride above my coat, by the way. That Dracula-looking thing. Oh, man! Oh, my. <laughs> the hell is that? <laughs> Count dipshit. He's wearing the three balls of Ty Dillinger's little thing. Um, what's cool is you know, during matches and, and things you go through, you rarely see venue staff watching. You may catch them, like, turning around and glancing at something if the crowd's going nuts. There is a venue staff guy who's just got his seat turned around in the front row like he <laughs> for this match. It's like this guy's like, I'll do it, but I'm going to watch this match. I love it. Uh, the camera angle did not help some of the, the spots, like, where... Kane goes to hit Taker on top of the set of steps with the other steps. And yeah. the camera yeah. and it's like you clearly see him and then Taker goes into full cell mode. Uh Jim Ross gets a little his history messed up because he says Taker's first man first mania was WrestleMania eight and his first opponent was Jake the Snake Roberts. So was there shit going on at this point with Snuka? Had it popped up? Um I, I just chalked it up to sometimes when JR would do that, he'd get his history wrong. Um, I don't think something, anything was going on with Snow. No, I think, no. I think JR just had a slip. Well, because he starts to say seven and then goes into eight. So I guess maybe he was just trying to overcorrect or something. I, I don't know. Write him a question and he'll get real angry about it on YouTube about it. That would be fun. Is that what you want to answer? Is that what you want? <laughs> well, I'll, I'll fucking tell you. Uh, it's just bad news. Everyone just wants bad news. Yeah. We're gonna tell you what you want to hear. There's a, uh, you know, it's Kane versus the Undertaker, and the match itself, the mechanics might not be that good, but it's still a huge spectacle. And you got G, you got Generation X, Marlon Brando at front row, staring into his camera the entire time. He's not taking a picture; he's just going through his pictures. Um, so I don't know what the hell is going on. You, it, when you see people in the front row of big events like, yeah, disinterested, you're like. What the hell's happening? Um, why are you there? It's probably uh, there for the I Triple H on Heart match. <laughs> that's true. Oh, God. Okay, for Jennifer Flowers. 
Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, gosh, it was there. Uh, I have the Spanish commentary. You said it was Savinovich? Yeah, Hugo Savinovich. <clears throat> yeah, because he, not only does he take that bump like that, he goes full slow-mo because he it's turns. It's slow-mo. The, he can't get the chair over. <laughs> yeah, he grabs the guardrail, turns, obviously kicks with his feet, and leans back and is going, no, no. Like, like it's so fucking good. Um, I love that Kane kicks out at three after the third tombstone. Mm-hmm. It's like he pulls the Hogan warrior. He's like, mm, yeah. If it had been that Earl Hebner count where it was real slow and dramatic at the end, oh, he would have been up in plenty of time. <laughs> kidding. Um, but uh, when you were talking about why didn't Taker, Tombstone, Pete Rose, it was Kane, uh, that's going to lead into my little bit coming up so just we want to tease that because I, I think that there was a lot of pre-planning there but uh, it's real difficult to rate this match and separate it from the build-up because the build-up is so good because if you just look at this match this match is a five yeah. but with everything else it, it's so tough I mean I gotta gotta play it fair because I've rated matches and separated in the past so this gets a five I, I almost wish that their Inferno match was the Mania match. That's well, my favorite. See, the, 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 the reason I don't kill this match too much is because it's only a first act. Right. The thing is, like a, the previous Taker matches are pretty much like the end of but, a storyline. But they shit the bed with this storyline come, I want to say, August? Oh, yeah. yeah. See, the, they are going to wrestle at least five more times this year. On and either finally, Raw... they just team up. Yeah. If, if I recall, the, I believe... What was the UK pay-per-view? Pay-per-view, you know, I mean, the UK show that they would release on video. Insurrection, yeah. Rebellion. No, was Capital Carnage. Capital Carnage. Capital Carnage. Austin was in a four-way. This mat uh, for the Capital wow. Carnage in '98. Yeah. The Capital Carnage in '98. Undertaker wrestles like in his street clothes because I guess his gear didn't make it. <laughs> but <laughs> there's, bag. but there's this because I remember it was on. It was there was a commercial for it on like Austin 316 uncensored the tape. And, and you hear Paul Bear, and it's, so he's like, yes, 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 it's all over the dead man. Yeah, yeah I remember that. Yep, yep. And he's just all over the dead man. But you see Taker take this vicious Irish whip into the um, into the buckle, and he's just like in, he looks like 2000 Undertaker, but in 98. It looks like he just got off the Metro or something. It's like, all right, I'm going to do this thing here, Kane. Come on, Glenn, let's go do this shit. Any fish sticks or something? Uh, and, um, <laughs> But but um, I I really like this still. I like this match a lot. Um, I I do think up to this point, like, and I I I don't think it's wrong to separate the build from it. I think it is all inclusive with it. And I and I I think it's awesome he kicks out at three because it's like there's still more story to tell here. Right. That's why the same over. No, that's what's so cool about it is that like. Yeah, he barely gets by this guy. And then he gets his ass beat afterwards. Yep. Tombstone on the chair. Which is like, cool, man. So, like, this thing's still got some legs to it. Now, unfortunately, I, I would pretty much say this after the, after the Inferno match. Their matches are terrible. They're not good. Oh, they don't progress. They don't progress in that way where it's like, okay, we are building to this in the final match or whatever. Because it really doesn't seem to be a final match. No, because every time you think that storyline's over, it comes back. It's still coming back. It came back, like with Kane attacking Roman Reigns. Right. It's like, oh my god. 
Uh, hell, later in the year, you get the the Judgment Day match. Yeah. With Austin as the referee. The only match where the referee wins. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then they have another match at the Survivor Series in the Deadly Game. They match up in the Deadly During Game. During the tournament? I believe they are. Ugh. And I, I, I'm... It, it's... it's but not taking into account all that, I, I love this. I definitely put I put this above thirteen and then twelve. I would definitely I would put too. it above, yeah, because mm-hmm. of just I mean it it is it's a cool it is a good payoff. I feel good after the match. All right, I feel satisfied with with where we ended based on that amazing video package. Wow, that's so. Amazing. Do you want my do you want my rating with where, where I have it? Because I have them both down. Because I didn't know which one you wanted. Oh no no no. I- just what like the whole pa- the package as a whole like what do you give it? Oh, the whole thing the whole thing gets an eight. Oh, okay. for me. All right. I'm right. I'm there with an eight too. I really am. Like I I I really really like this. And I do think up to this point it is it's it it is head and shoulders. I think overall not taking into account just the match. If we're doing matches in a vacuum, um, obviously that 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 changes things for it, but. Yeah, up to this point, it's just amazing <laughs> compared to where we go next. <laughs> right, I do agree. Though. This is one of those times where you can I, I have a difficult time separating the storyline or the video package that goes into the match with the actual. Because match. if you take the match in a vacuum, that is a disservice to them because the story There's so they're much telling work that's gone into it. Yeah, you're also taking, you're taking away from the fact that they know they're doing a follow up to this, so mm-hmm. they need to. You can't burn they everything. No pun intended. You can't burn everything yet. You gotta leave some stuff for that Unforgiven pay per view. Which that Unforgiven match? I mean, you're like they're gonna wrestle in a ring that's all fire, fire. and it's where Taker does that amazing dive over into Vader. That match, from a visual standpoint alone, is what's so special about it. That's yeah. the only good Inferno match. Yeah. Do you remember Absolutely. how underwhelming it was though? When we found out that Kane lost because his hand caught on fire. Like, yeah. I don't want to see well, it. And then burn. it's like they gave it away, too, because he comes out in the full sleeve. Yeah. And you're like, Undertaker doesn't seem to be wearing full sleeves. What's going on there? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, ain't, I ain't getting burned. Why, why wouldn't he just get burned on the one sleeve that he's, that's always covered? Right, right. Damn it. Okay, so we're, we've got one more to go. Ugh. And now we're headed to WrestleMania 15. Jason, um, they, I believe they called this pay per view the Raging Climax. Was the yeah. WrestleMania 15? This was one. This was bad where they they got to. Well, 14 was DX rated. Right. This one is in Philadelphia. Right. This had, of course, like the Austin Rock main event is huge. Oh, at this point. Cause, yeah, I mean, you didn't even need celebrity. You want to talk about, that's that is still my all time favorite WrestleMania storyline built is the Austin Rock oh. one with where he goes after breakdown, all the crap we just mentioned with the Judgment starting in Survivor Series so 98. Cool. Never seen so many angry wrestling fans at school. Yeah, like, man. Not only did Austin not win, but The Rock turned heel. Yeah. Which nobody saw that coming. No, For whatever it was the reason, best Vince Russo. Nobody saw it coming. I know. But Jason... <laughs> with Shane... Do what? Because The Rock had just turned face. Yeah. He had just turned face. Here's another reason we didn't see it coming. It didn't make any sense. Austin was fired... By Vince, and then Shane brings him What's back. What's in that letter? What's in that letter? Yeah, Shane brings him back, and then Shane turns on Which, him. by the way, right? if you want more context on this, the Rattitude podcast is right in the heart of this right now. It is in the middle of... It just got to... It's it's on. It did the go-home to the uh, Judgment Day pay-per-view, so that means it's going to be heading right into Deadly Game real soon. This stuff is so fascinating to hear on an episode-to-episode basis because... Uh, with each Raw, you see The Rock turning that little bit extra. 
Can you imagine in 98 you had a main event that was Kane and the Undertaker versus The Rock in Austin? Oh, yeah. It's insane now to think how cool that was to have on television. But anyway, the this was still considered a semi-main for WrestleMania 15 is The Undertaker versus The Big Boss Man and a Hell in a Cell match. Jason, take it away. Awesome. Well, to do this, we gotta we got to take a long look at something because... The this version of the Undertaker to this point is the most dramatically different Undertaker that we've seen. About the appearance, the way he's behaving, um, you know, and and the it goes back a, a good distance to get this started. Is this transformation really started at King of the Ring '98 with the what, the brutal match that he had with Mankind, which everyone remembers parts of it, um, but you also forget that he was involved in the main event with Austin versus Kane in a first blood match because Taker comes out with the chair and you're thinking he's going to attack Kane and he winds up hitting Austin and it's first it's an accident then shortly after that a couple weeks later on Rump Kane admits that he hit Austin on purpose because the stipulation in that first blood match is that if Kane lost he was going to get set on fire and Taker says I don't want to see my little brother set on fire which is good so they're they're starting again they're kind of doing this Taker and Kane united but this really put Austin and Undertaker in a feud that would build up to one of Will's favorite pay-per-views, Highwood of Hell. But during that time, they kind of played back and forth. They had the whole story of the forced tag team partners where Kane, or excuse me, where Austin and Undertaker were forced to team and became the tag champs because they beat Mankind and Kane, and then later would lose to Mankind and Kane. And then at SummerSlam, Kane would be would just abandon Mankind and come out later that night to try to help his brother win. When Taker sends Kane to the back, giving Austin the distraction and hit him with the stunner and win it. So that still kind of keeps going with here because then Vince really, really kicks in the high gear about wanting to get rid of Austin. Does the the Kane and the Undertaker against Austin in a triple threat, but Kane and the Undertaker can only pin Austin. Um, so this really just sets up a lot of of really good stuff because when Kane and the Undertaker both pin Austin together, Vince declares there's no winner. He screws them over, says that the championship is vacant, and then the next pay-per-view, Kane and the Undertaker wrestle for the world, the WWF championship, and Austin's the special referee. And during that match is where Undertaker reunites with Paul Bearer, and Taker goes heel, which is weird because Paul Bearer betrays Kane. You think it's going to happen, and then the next night on Raw, which is one of the best Raws ever, because that's the one where Austin's fired and he's got Vince all tied up. Oh. Austin's in the camo, he's hunting people down, is the first reference to the Ministry of Darkness. And it's a weeks of Undertaker just doing weird-ass shit. He's grabbing all these different superstars and performing these rituals and sacrificing. At one point, he fucking tries to embalm Austin alive. Yep. And it's so weird... Um, but it's this big transformation. But Kane, I think it's Kane that, saves him at the last minute. Yeah, it's like, so funny. Kane has like Austin on the low jack and knows exactly where he is at all times, <laughs> which is smart if you're going to have that. But uh, it, what's weird is that that I think it's at the Deadly Games. Isn't Kane and Taker's match? Is that a buried alive match? Because no. at some point he gets there's a buried alive match which Taker loses. Yeah, so he's off it's, the it's, for a couple. It's Austin and Taker. They do it at rock bottom, and that's the match where the fork or the fork or no, the bulldozer. Or the that's Earl right. Earl decides the cat just, doesn't work. Right, Earl Hebner has a beer. Yeah, uh, hard day's work. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Because stuns him was, in the grave. 
<laughs> at the same time, like right before this is when they were Did the acolytes formed with the jackal as their manager, our old buddy Cyrus. And whatever happened with him, because he kept making allusions to some some higher entity, and then when whatever happened with Cyrus and Vince, and he left and decided to go work for the Nashville Network, um, we have just this buildup where the acolytes start beating up on people, and then when Undertaker comes back at the last draw of the year, looking like he looks for the ministry with his big samurai ponytail, the big pointed goatee, the new outfit, but one of the most physically imposing looking appearances he's ever had. And the acolytes are working for him. And then they start kidnapping what they kid. They kidnap one of the Godwins. He becomes Midian. They kidnap Mabel, make him viscera. The brood become part of the ministry of darkness. And it's just all weird because then it sets up for the WrestleMania match. And with all this buildup between Austin and Kane, who is Undertaker going to wrestle at WrestleMania 15? Is he going to wrestle his brother, who is now a good guy, trying to avenge his parents because the Undertaker admitted that he set fire to their mortuary on purpose to kill Kane because he was weak then and he's still weak now? Is it going to be Austin for the WWF Championship? No, it's the big boss man in Hell in a Cell. If you ever take a trip. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, and how the big, how this great big match comes about is during a match on a Raw, Vince McMahon joins commentary and casually mentions that he put The Undertaker in a Hell in a Cell match with Big Boss Man. There's no like Even he's reason. He just goes, he goes, alright, this is going to happen. So over the next few weeks, Boss Man kind of becomes Super Boss Man to make him credible. He's saving Vince at the last minute because Undertaker is all over Vince and his family. He attacks Shane. He keeps making allusions to um, What's the word I'm looking for? Mm, some mystery woman. He keeps saying she will be the last part. You know, there's the whole spot with the Inferno match that was on TV that Paul Bear brings the teddy bear, and they set the teddy bear on fire. That's good. Uh, yeah, which is – it's good stuff. Like, as convoluted as this was, this this still gives us – we still get the introductory of Stephanie. We get, you know, Linda becoming a more prominent character. You see Vince with that great line that I showed a moment of weakness one time and I'll never show a moment of weakness again, which I thought was really fantastic. And then it all boils the head with this piece of crap. So oh, you didn't like it. Oh, oh no, no, no. Uh, so WrestleMania 15, the week of March 28, 1999. You know it's going to be a good one when the number one movie in America is The Forces of Nature. Oh, yes. Hey, Bruce Campbell's right. in that. Oh, well, hey, he's my buddy. Uh, but still, Sandra Bullock, Ben Affleck, 1998, no, excuse me, 1999 rom-com. Nope. The number one song in the U.S. was Cher's Believe. Mm. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> the yes. The number one song in the U.K. was Mr. Oizo. I don't know what the fuck this is. And it's flat beat. And because I never want to talk his ignorance, I listen to all the songs I don't know. God awful. It's not a song. It's a loop of like 30 seconds over and over and over again. It's like some kind of weird DJ stuff. Don't waste your time. But uh, here we go. Big Boss Man. Undertaker. Hell in the Cell. You know, I never noticed Big Boss Man's Confederate flag tattoo until just now. <laughs> If you ever take a trip, yeah, it's yes. a sad day. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> Jerry Lawler kind of taking the piss out of any kind of build up for this match for the people that aren't there that don't give a fuck. 
This ain't the cop from the village people. This is the big boss man. Thank you. Thank you. I think it would have been cooler if it was the cop from the village people. Because at least then he would have had a credible backup to help him out. Um, they talk about how devastating and, and brutal this match is going to be and how it's evil. And this Hell in a Cell match is brought to you by M&M's. <laughs> the crispy ones. Um, but I do like how Taker looked here. I'm sorry, I know it's a little cheesy, but he comes out, looks like a fucking badass, uh, that cake. It's Super the, Shredder Undertaker. That's exactly what I wrote. The coat, that's exactly what that He looks was. like the yeah, Super yeah, Shredder. I love it. It. <laughs> it. It's. I mean, it's good that the, the new theme, with the exception of the beginning, mm-hmm. where it's all Taker saying to kind of oh, and then, uh, <laughs> what is it? Zero, so, tell. <laughs> intensity, integrity, intelligence. Shield. <laughs> the taker just going, surrender yourself to the purity of evil, and then, like, it really kicks in. You're like, oh, well. It's a something. cool theme, uh, just not that chant. I agree. Right. It's really, really cool. Um, what I liked here is Paul Bear was not leading the Undertaker, and he was not following the Undertaker. Those two walking side by side looked really cool for some reason. I, don't, I mean, like, it's just Paul Bear, but still, it looked really neat because through this illusion, Taker had already started talking about he serves a higher power even before this match. So it's like, oh, well, these two are equal in the ministry somehow. Um, right when they get to the to the cage, before they get in, Paul Bear just, like, locks eyes with the camera and raises both his eyebrows to be like, this is so fucking cool. Why is this the big boss man? Just... I don't get because who's going to boo the Undertaker and who's going to cheer the big boss man? The answer to that question is no one. Well, a 1991 crowd would easily cheer for the big boss that, man in 1991. True. 91. Boss man was like the number two face. Yeah. At the time. Right. That's what I mean. But Times now it's not. <laughs> Very much so. Um, so once you get into the match itself, boss man gets the opening offense and Taker is selling like a motherfucker for him. He's almost talky Taker a little bit. Yeah, like we've seen. Here we go. Like, <laughs> they're Kane and the Undertaker. They're like knocking the hell out of each other, and both of them are no selling it. You go back through the beginning of the Sid match, no sell. The beginning of Diesel match, no sell. Going all the way back, but the Boss Man gets like within two <laughs> seconds. He's got Taker in the corner. Come on, he's like sitting there, man. Ray, I like you, man. I'm gonna make you look good. It's gonna be 91 for you all over again. But uh. They keep trying to make Bossman seem credible because they, they hype that he was a corrections officer, so he's not intimidated by the cell. Yeah, like, they, I don't they make it sound like it's his playground. Yeah, like, I don't know if you know this, but corrections officers don't spend time in the cells. Right. You know? Um, <laughs> I don't get it. But uh, the ref in this match, and I can't remember his name, but isn't this the one, the old, old Friendly's Bar? Or the old Tim Austin... White? Yeah, is it Tim White? Because the chunky guy? He keeps trying to reinforce a no-closed-fist rule inside of Hell in a Cell. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yep. Uh, now, here's some interesting tidbits. Taker sets up and does the whole Taker sit-up spot. No crowd reaction whatsoever. Nope. nope. Not at all. Michael Cole, killing shit again. The diabolical, demonic structure. The Hell in a Cell. You could get a finger caught in there. <laughs> but Lawler... Lawler is on him so bad on that. Oh, what? (laughs) After we've seen what Mick Foley went through, you're worried about getting a finger caught in there? It's great to hear Michael Cole, like, try to cover for it. Like, well, you know, King, I mean, there's a lot of, like, you're awful. 
Yep. You are so bad. Like, because it's not like Michael Cole now. Michael Cole in the '90s was was just fucking unbearable, man. I mean, to his his defense for then is he was kind of thrust in that position because of Jim Ross's health issues. Mm-hmm. So right. I mean, he didn't have the experience to be the WrestleMania <laughs> commentator. But my favorite, you know. rock bottom, rock bottom, right into the dog poop, into oh, the God. dog poop. Uh, Boss Man at this point pulls out the really long pair of handcuffs, and you hear it, the, the gym that is Paul Bearer from off camera, like we were talking in the first episode with referee that stuff where he starts yelling in his Paul Bear voice he's got a pair of handcuffs what the hell's wrong with you can't you see it I love it he's just he is all over this referee um once boss man cuffs Taker and he starts hitting him with the nightstick he hits him twice and then the handcuffs pull a Neville and walk out of this match because they break like real quick I think it like it ruined a big cool spot where Taker's supposed to rip him in half but they're just so just done and I'm almost done with this match, surprisingly. But uh, the ref threatens Boss Man with a DQ if he keeps hitting him with the nightstick. It's a hell in a cell. <laughs> and they've got those earpieces. Why isn't anyone... Yeah. Yet, well, where's Kevin done? <laughs> but Cole starts repeating the exact same shit he said at the beginning. So I guess he got his script pages messed up. Where he starts talking about how no one's the same. That gets in the hell in a cell with Taker, and he said, "I mean, like it's word for word." And then you hear just him go, "Oh, and Jerry Lawler cuts him off," and then move on to it. Um, Paul Bearer proves that he is a fan of the WWF and knows the lyrics to the Boss Man's theme song when he starts singing, "You're gonna serve hard times now, Boss Man. You are." I love it. I love it. It's really, really good. Uh, during that, the match, you know, I like stupid stuff. When Cole keeps giving Bossman promotions, he starts off as the corporation's enforcer. He becomes the corporation's top enforcer. Then he's the corporate team's head of security. By the time this thing's done, he's going to own the WWF, I'm sure. The crowd is booing. Yep. It's an Undertaker match in a Hell in a Cell at WrestleMania, and the crowd is booing. There is no reaction to Taker's flying clothesline or old school. Like, there's nothing. Like, you know, normally that stuff gets a pop. Um, Taker then uppercuts Boss Man right in the sack and then tombstones him and the match is over. Good, good uh, on him. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and if this wasn't bad enough, during the Taker's great music playing, he keeps staring up and then you see the brood repel from the rafters and slip a noose through the cell and the, where the Undertaker uses it to hang Boss Man. And, you know... It's a really, really creepy thing done because Bossman does a great job of setting into it and looking just dead and bloated like his neck's broken. And Bossman's body is swaying above the ring, and Michael Cole really wants to know, is this symbolic? Because he asked that question how many times? I think it's something that Will like to point out. It's a lot. Um, and then what's great is right after this horrific moment that just scars everyone or does nothing... They go right into the WrestleMania Rage Party. Like, the tone just changes very awkwardly. Um, This is pre-Owen, so there's no Owen voice. But it's just, I don't know. I hated it. I hated it. I hated it. The build was good uh, to a point because it's very complicated. Like you were talking about earlier, they they weave the Undertaker-Kane thing into the main event storyline with Austin. They used all that. I mean, you got the buildup of The Rock. You got Stephanie coming out. The fallout for this is... The Ministry of Darkness merges with the corporation, becomes the corporate ministry, and that's one of the stepping stones to get Triple H up into the main event scene. But 
other than this, you know, this is crap. This is a big piece of shit. I give this a three. It's dog poop. What a, oh man, this sucks. <laughs> this is so fucking awful. So, like, everyone like talks about the WrestleMania 9 match. I'm sorry. Man, that's fucking Undertaker Sean compared to this match. I'd rather see Undertaker versus Chloroform <laughs> than Undertaker versus Chloroform. You know Chloroform. that'll kill you. <laughs> we can smell it from here. <laughs> oh, man. So this is the first time uh, at one of these manias where we get to hear Michael Cole and Jerry Lawler. And, and yeah, in Michael Cole's defense, yes, that's true. Uh, Jim Ross had had to leave. He had to go away. And which, I mean, he comes back later this night, at, which was a surprise. But Michael Cole could never fit into this role, at least back then. I, I think he's tolerable now, and he's, he's okay. But back then, I mean, it was just the worst commentary. He, he didn't add anything, like, anything of weight to it. And I always tried to think of, like, if Michael Cole had said something, I would try to think, of, well, how would have that exact phrase have sounded if, if Jim Ross had said it? And this is where I, I try to give him a little bit more slack because I think Jim, Ro- Jim Ross could have added a little bit more weight. It's, oh, it always sounded like whatever Jim Ross was saying sounded important. Yeah. Michael Cole just sounded like just a hired gun. You know, it just didn't really sound like he had any kind of passion or heart for wrestling. Yeah. Um, let's see. I love this. I, I was hoping during this batch of matches I could find something that Paul Bear did that could rival the WrestleMania 9 thing with Bill Alfonso. And it's not as good, but it made me laugh nonetheless. Why is Paul Bear confused? About being about, on the inside or the outside of the cage? Well, no, he's, he, he actually has a conversation with the ref about, well, why does the door have to be locked? You actually hear him say, he's like, well, he, he's like why? Why are you locking the door? It's a hell in a cell match. <laughs> Paul Bear is, is genuinely confused. And, and I know he's seen these things before. So that, that got a good laugh out of me. Uh, we got to see some of the best pure striker in the business here. Uh, that's always fun. I, I, I never get tired of seeing that, especially when he's beating up Big Fat Boss Man. Uh, which, to, to come back, I love this about Big Boss Man. Um, this is something, like, I don't, first of all, I don't know why he does this, because he's a heel, but it makes it even funnier. There's something about these bigger wrestlers, and, and I don't mean big like I mean like this fat wrestler, just call it what it is, where they do a pose on a turnbuckle. But <laughs> I think you know where I'm going with this. They don't have the confidence within themselves to stand on the second rope, so they stand on the first rope. <laughs> and it looks so fucking funny. It just because <laughs> that's what the divas would do. Like back in the day, and Boss Man, he's like, like literally a foot off the ground. Yeah, I don't do. Yeah, I'm the big Boss Man, and and then he goes to the other turnbuckle to do it. And I was like, yes. Like, you realize how shitty that looks? And just that's all I got, folks. Um, I I agree with Jason. I I, I do think that the handcuff thing, something went wrong. I I really do. It, it just seems like I mean, if, if we talked about it off air. I I really think that if you're gonna blade. In a Hell in a Cell match, you don't need something as convoluted as to be handcuffed and then get knocked to the ground and so that the camera. Well, he hits him in the face he with the nightstick. Him, but, but he didn't have to handcuff him to do that. Like, I mean, I guess they're trying to say like, oh, he can't cover up, so you know, because well, remember, maybe. you know how Taker like covers up like he started. To, well, he was doing it with Kane. I know he's starting to become more oh, like at a Clint Eastwood. Right. Yeah, he's. Like, 
Darth Vader versus Darth Vader. Or the Rocky Three. Yeah. Sorry, we went off on our own tangent. Um, but yeah, I'd like to say they covered for it. Well, they didn't. Undertaker's blood sucks. Like, it looks awful. It just looks... Done. Done. Is that good enough for you? No? Well, too bad. And then, and then they get Bossman to play, don't they? Like, I guess. They throw him in. He just throws... Why not? He just yeah, yeah, he kind of like in. catapults him into the cell. No reaction. Nothing. Nope. And my, But the one thing that did get a reaction that I was so happy with, because they spend an, a large amount of time outside the ring. Well, <laughs> Taker takes Bossman, and all he did was put him back in the ring and go in with him. Crowd immediately eats this alive. Because <laughs> I think they want someone to die. <laughs> like, they want to see someone go through the cell. They want to see them climb the top of the cell, because they know... we. Keep in mind, the only cell matches we'd really seen at this point were The Undertaker, Sean, Undertaker, Mankind, and that weird tag match one with Austin and shit, like, back in the yeah, summer yeah. of 98. So, like, we're expecting, like, just kidding. This was the most tame, boring, lame-ass Hell in a Cell match. So when they go back in the ring, the crowd's just, oh, I see this match just ain't going anywhere. <laughs> they lose their goddamn minds. Um, the match just absolutely refuses to be interesting. There is no beginning, middle, end. The match... Just ends. It's yeah. just a tombstone pile driver, and you're just praying that Boss Man doesn't kick out. You know, just stay down. Can you imagine that? Oh God, that, that would have been a great trolling thing. Actually, it just the match won't end. <laughs> it's so awful. Uh, Taker. I mean, what is this? Eight and zero for him. Okay, so he beats Boss Man. We talked about this off off air too. I, I think it would have been so much better if Taker had fought Vince. Or if he had fought Kane with the roles reversed, I like that idea. Anybody, because even at the time, it didn't make sense that he was fighting Big Boss Man. That video package does not fit this Where match. Where is he? <laughs> Where all. is he? Like he could have fought. Like, was Shamrock in the corporation yet? Shamrock was. Uh, yeah, yeah, he was still in. Have him fight Shamrock. The union thing that briefly happens. We are the union. Union, union. They come out with two by fours, which on paper looks like the most badass group of guys. It was fully test, uh, big show, and Shamrock. Yeah. Fuck man, I was like, yeah, I was ready. No, no, it never happened. It made into the video game though. Well, I, I think it. Do- uh, I'm not gonna finish the that statement, does. but it happened at Over the Edge. Yeah, you know, later that year. Yeah, yeah. So, and then I think that was where it uh, ended. You're right, though. It did make it into No Mercy. Um, the Brood, I mean, it looks like they're trying to break into the cell. Like, trying to figure this out. How they did this is still a mystery to me. They still have never explained it. it. It's, and that's why I tweeted at him, because I was like, I've never heard them talk about this. No. You know, cause, well, especially because when they talk about guys who repel from the ceiling, it's usually only Sting right around this time, because of the Owen thing. But these guys did it. I was like curious about like three at the same time. Yeah, yeah. And they send down this news. And and anytime you see this kind of thing in like movies or something, I mean, they tell you how they do it. There's like a support thing on the back. Mm-hmm. I don't know where that would have come from. Like I'm sure there was something else on the news that we just couldn't see. It is a fascinating stunt. But at the same time, I mean, it's horrifying. Like it's really bad. It's really bad. It's scary. And and which is I'm sure. And we make Benoit jokes. We do all this really kind of off color stuff. But when I saw that, I was genuinely like, I don't like this. No, I don't like this. Even watching it live, and and what and what I hate more is Michael Cole because (laughs) his exact quote is, "Is it symbolic, King? Is it symbolic?" A little pause. Cuts to like WWF New York or something. I don't know or where they went, but it goes. Oh no, it was something having to do with Philadelphia. But cuts there. 
Well, folks, it's uh, WrestleMania weekend here in Philadelphia, and it's Michael Cole right after he was asking about the symbolicness of the situation. And it's just, you don't understand tonal shift. It ain't symbolic. We're just having a hanging, Cole. Yeah, That's all it is. We're just having another hanging. Yeah, this is no big deal. It reminded me of George Carlin when he said, yeah, I don't do transitional material. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, it was literally a jump into something completely different. Right. Um, this is awful. Like, by far the worst match we've seen yet. Yeah. Uh, to beat the Bundy match is really something special. And uh, what's worse is a month later, Taker and Bossman are teaming. <laughs> it's a month later yeah, that's when the, the corporation, and, the and corporate ministry... Yeah, that's the part that, like, it's it's not fair for us to rope it in. I mean, like, it's like it wouldn't help this rating anyway. But, like, when you take into account the storyline, it's like, oh, yeah, we're, all, we're actually working together the whole time. It's like... Oh, the corporate... Oh, because of the like, higher power. What? It, they fucked the storyline. Because here... My biggest, well, the criticism I want to take with this match was like when I looked at Paul Bear, I was like, "What's the use for you now?" Yeah, because before it made sense. There. He had the urn. He was like there is sort of like this way to to keep the I Undertaker going. That. And now, like since there's a higher power, you're useless, fat boy. Get out. You're Stop. done. You're done. <laughs> Like he doesn't, he serves no purpose. Like he doesn't do anything to get real heat on. He just acts like an idiot. He's got handcuffs. Yeah. He, it, 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 <laughs> confused about where he's supposed to be no, in the match. Gonna lock the door and there is here. something Taker does here. Do you remember like being like 11 or 12 and like, you know, you just wanted to reach up and touch like the, whatever the room was, or, like above the door, of any door, of any open, because you wanted to, you know, you wanted to see how tall you were, how high yeah. you could jump. The Undertaker decides to do this. And why? Oh, dude, old school. <laughs> yeah. He decides, why does he you do know what? That? I just want to. Oh, white shit. <laughs> It's oh, the weirdest Sarah! thing. All of a sudden, like he's like, you know what? I want to try to touch the top of this cell. Why? Don't need to. <laughs> I, don't, I just um, feel like it. I need to buy some time for Ray. <laughs> yeah. What can I do? I'm going to touch it. It's Mark time. It's right. <laughs> yeah. Can't I use it just when you're younger? And then Boss Man just hits the top rope. And he, oh, shit. And then, yeah. Then he just kind of crotches himself. I don't know why he does it. Yeah. I really don't. Maybe he was going to try to like... The, that hanging spot. Like I feel like they did it because... It's like you said, the last two cell matches, like you have Sean falling off the side of the cage, you have Foley going off like all the spots from the, the Hell in a Cell ninety eight match. And so it's almost like they they felt like, okay, we've gotta do something. Because they probably knew Boston going into it. This. They knew there weren't gonna be a lot of like there there isn't gonna be a signature spot in this match. Just because but there is. We're gonna This is the only thing I remember. But we're gonna do this thing at the end and it'll be and, well, isn't it isn't it surprising that the network didn't edit it out? I was shocked. I thought we were gonna get get it, uh, you know, edited out. Yeah, right. exactly. Because we talked about this on Twitter. Isn't it also strange that this all this feels like a one off? This never gets mentioned ever again in the storylines. Right. Like even the next night on Raw, it doesn't even. I don't ever remember it coming out. It doesn't. It's it for a semi main. And they don't explain how Boss Man's still alive. Because right. <laughs> I. I haven't, I haven't been to many hangings, but I'm pretty sure the objective is not for the guy to come back the next day and be like, I'm going to get some vengeance no. on you. And one thing we forgot to mention, it's actually Paul Bear who raises the cell. Right. Yes, yes, yes. It's all over for the boss, man. Yep. 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 <laughs> all right. So I, I, Marty, I give it a two. It's a two. Yeah. I, I'll safely go with a three, whatever. It doesn't matter. I, really I think does. we all can agree. It is the... I, I do agree. It is now... After watching all these up to this point, it feels like the worst. And I think... Oh, it is? It, 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 There's no comparison. 
I mean, at least with WrestleMania 7, I know it's a squash. I know what a squash match is supposed to be. WrestleMania 8 is a kind of like a squash. I get it. Then WrestleMania 9, yeah, you know what? Like, at least, like, um, at least there was some heat in the match. There was some heat somewhere. Like, Giant Gonzalez, at some at some points, looks like he might be able to win this match. There's no point where I believe the big boss man's ever going to win this match. No. Not no, one I, moment of it. I didn't think that either. So What happened? Hmm. To to put him there, you know, like like, you know, you hear about stuff like, well, someone so got hurt, so this person had to be replaced. That's what's weird. You're right, Jason, because like Kane and Triple H have that match, which you know, Kane is in that weird spot where he's in the corporation, he doesn't want to be. He's just, I think that's where, unfortunately, the big red retard thing was coming around. I'm I'm pretty sure when they would when they would do that, it's off. It, it's you know, it's terrible, but you know, that's what they would do. to Remember they used to put the. I forgot. All they would that. they would do the Back to the Future have the 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 they you know put the paper on his back that's taped on there that says it and he right. doesn't know what's there. Oh. <laughs> yeah, because Kane was he was only in the corporation so that he wouldn't get sent to the insane asylum. Right, right, and and so, so they, he, he has another he has that match with Triple H which is in maybe in some ways as forgettable if not more forgettable than the Cell match. You know the only thing it does is it does set up the it will. Kind of in a way set up the heel turn for Triple H a little bit, not much, but other than that, that's why it's like, yeah, you should have had, should add Kane in this spot. I don't, I, I can't answer the rest of that question, Jason. I just feel like it's, it, it, it I feel like they, for, they did all the other matches first. Like, oh shit, we got to get Mark on the card. Well, what do, right. what are we gonna do with him? Hey Ray, what are well, you doing? Was- Nothing, man. I'm going on parties. <laughs> Dude, the crowd. I forgot that the, the crowd was so pissed off coming into this match because we had just seen earlier during the Kane Triple H match, China had come back to DX and then immediately like the next match where it's X-Pac versus Shane, yeah. we see DX break up. That's right. right. And so like the crowd was super pissed like watching that. They were like mad. It wasn't like a, oh man, it was like, why? We just saw you get back together the 15 minutes ago. Right. It should also be mentioned um, back in I want to say it was 2008? Uh, WWE released a Hell in a Cell compilation of all of the Hell in a Cell matches. It even has the tag match with Austin and Mankind from Raw, which didn't even, wasn't even a match. Right. That's even on. This is the only Hell in a Cell match that isn't in that collection. I, mean, it's like, I think that says something. It does. Yeah, I mean, it really. I mean, clearly, you know, that they know in hindsight that spot at the end is heinous. Which is it's amazing terrible. it's on the network. Right. Agreed. So, um, I mean, yeah, if you go ahead and do the, the averages there, well, I guess. Well, you have it rated at the highest okay. at, a, at a 6.25. Okay. Jason's in the middle, 5.9. I'm right. at a 5. Okay. All around average, uh, 5.72. Not bad. Pretty and good. I, I'm, and I'm, I was Pretty looking good. at the, um, I, I don't think Melter rating. I, I looked at some of Melter's ratings for Taker matches. He's not very high. Like he, on his five star, I believe he only gives like Kane a Taker one and a quarter. Like he's pretty, what? he's pretty low on some of these taker matches that you know that, that we like here and stuff. So well, what was it? Undertaker, Sean Hell in a Cell was his first. That's probably that's I that think, sounds I think right. That's what I heard. Yeah. yeah. So, but I think now, like, if all right, um, Charlie, if you were to rank all, like, do your rankings of all of them right now, where would you stack? Like, now we've seen we've gone through eight, eight. taker manias. Like, how would you go from least? Favorite the, to least? Yeah. Jesus. Uh, eight. So eight, seven, fourteen, twelve, thirteen. 
Uh, 9, 15, and then 11. Oh, sorry. 11, 15. 15. Yeah, yeah. 11, 15. Jason, do you know yours? Uh, I would say 13, 14, 12, 7, 8, 9, 15. I think I'm right there. I, I'm, I'm 14, 13, 12, uh, 8, 7, 9, 11, 15. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So far, the one thing I'm just shocked about is that WrestleMania 9 is not is as high as it is. Yeah. Because that's usually the one that's the most laughable uh, I, when people talk about is, it. It is, but I, mean, I think that Mania, I think it gets a bad rap I really, uh, for the most part. Yeah. So I mean, the match sucks, but... So let's plan this out. Now, uh, obviously with Martin not here, he's gonna, he's not going to have a chance really to, to choose his. So between, our, between us here picking... So now we've got... Up next, we're going to have... He's not at WrestleMania 2000... Taker nope. is not there. So we're coming back with WrestleMania 17, which is him against Triple H, the first of, of the their three. Yep. Then WrestleMania X8, I should say. WrestleMania X7 was Triple H on Undertaker. X8 is the one against Ric Flair. 19 is the one that is the... Big Show and A-Train? Yeah. Nathan Jones is supposed to be in the match. Right. He is. It's but... kind of a handicap yeah. slash tag Which match. is weird because when they count it, they count it as Undertaker beat both of them. Yeah. So I'm like, well, shouldn't that be two wins? Right. So then, uh, that's the third one, and then the fourth one will be twenty. Russell, Kane. Kane, yeah, and Kane the again, of the dead man. and the return of the dead man. So, because um, we got biker taker. Jason, so. you picked first on the last one. So, ch- or wait, wait, did you pick first? You picked fourth. No, Jason. Picked yeah, that's why I picked. <laughs> okay, that's why I made you that tweet. Get, is you get first dibs I, in? Uh, I guess give me Kane again. You'll yeah. take Kane. I'll take cool. 20. Jason, how about you? I'll take the shitty one. You'll take nineteen. Yeah, man. I'll take Flair. I know. I know that's I'll what take you want. X8. Yeah. So that gives uh, that'll leave Martin. No, with. that's perfect because Martin didn't record WrestleMania X7 with us. Right. That's right. That's right. But We've he done wrote, this. He wrote something for that. That's good. So. Yeah. So we can do that one. That's cool. All right. So yeah, that's what we'll be coming back with on uh, episode three of uh of season four here we'll be doing x7 x8 19 and then 20 interesting pack another this i think this is the most diverse oh yeah where you've got two stellar matches yeah and then two one that's okay yeah and then one that uh. (laughs) all right so let's well the good news is this is i think that'll be the last batch of bad of any bad undertaker because from there on out, it's all good. Well, the exception of the very last one, too. The last one is going to provide, I think, really interesting discussion. The last batch of his match, or the oh, last oh, episode. Well, I mean, in terms of like something that's. He has nothing but good matches. Oh, okay. I got you. Forward. I got you. Almost. Um, Jason, do you have any plugs going now? No, just don't forget to check out our Facebook. We got some cool stuff. I've been very, very busy, uh, so I haven't had a chance to post my. Deep thoughts with the Undertaker, but those will be up. Um, I'm probably going to do those every two weeks. They're going to be some good, fun stuff. Other than that, just my Twitter, and that's at the Jason Keesler, and that's it. Okay. Um, I've got my book out. Please check it out. It's only 99 cents. If you're Kindle Unlimited, you get it for free. It's the Rumors of My Demise. It's about um, 
it's 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 a fictional story. It's set in a movie theater in 1999. It's about partying. It's about all this everything that comes with working in a movie theater. And we have late night screenings and stuff like that. It's a lot of fun. If you get a chance, there's a trailer for it. I actually have it out on. Um, I've tweeted it and it's on Facebook. So uh, definitely give it a look. If you get a chance, please rate and review on Amazon. If you if you do read it, because that would be awesome. Um, the other thing I was going to mention, this kind of feeds into yours, Chuck. The Real Change Pod is mm-hmm. debuting this week. The Real Change Movie Podcast is going to be it's split into two different uh, shows within it. There's one that's called Screeners and Dailies, which takes a look at current things that are going on in the movie uh, industry right now, looking at weekend box office, trends, things of that nature. And there's another, the other half of the show is called When Did That Come Out, which focuses on the year 1986 going through each calendar or each month in that year looking at one movie in each of those months and just kind of talking about the year as a whole yep so that's Very exciting at real change pod is what the twitter is going to be for that so keep uh go ahead and start looking for that this week um uh, charlie do you have anything you want to add to that at all nope that's that's it for me for now okay the podcast on is our podcast, new the New Blood Rising podcast is on Twitter at New Blood Pod. It's on Facebook, New Blood Rising Podcast. I am at William Rinkin eighty three. I'm at the Jason Kiesler. I am at CM underscore Stabs. And Martin Dixon, he is at Bunny Suicida. And we will see you guys for episode three of season four, The Street. Peace.